This is Unfilter, episode 195 for July 13th, 2016. 110 emails contained classified information. Thousands of other work-related emails were never turned in by Hillary Clinton. And it's likely there are more emails that will never be found. FBI Director James Comey methodically put forth the damning evidence today, saying that Clinton's private email use was careless, but not criminal. Everybody, we're back after our July 4th Independence Day break, or for those of you in the UK, Treason Day for us Americans. Welcome again to another edition of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. Freshly rested and blowing up explosives, I'm Chase, and over there is Chris. Hey, Chris! Hello, buddy. You know, I never did get a chance to blow up my explosives, but that's okay. We got a bunch of fireworks for this week's episode. You didn't attach... You know anything and I know. blow something? I know up? it's supposed to be my it's supposed to be my American heritage. I just didn't get around to it because I was too busy clipping for this show. Chase, we oh, have a huge dedicated show. huge. Uh, of course, I think really the meat of the show is going to be the discussion around Hillary's winning the election in the last two weeks. No, that's no. I thought we we're going to talk about the new Star Trek movie. <laughs> you uh, know, we we're going to talk about the fan guidelines that really killed all these fan films. Jokes aside, you and I, we need to have a convo offline. Yeah. Mm, uh, so we do have a little bit of cyber terrorism stuff to get into. Love to cyber. A little bit of Russia stuff to get into and I NATO. Love Putin. And of course, we'll get into Hillary in a bit. But you know, we're going to wrap it all up on a high note too. So I, it's I a nice love, rounded episode. I like being in Hillary. Okay. Let's let's rinse our brains for just a second because that, that's going to sit with us. I don't know about that. And uh, let's start with a little uh, controversy coming out of Facebook again in the cyber category. Facebook ramping up encryption in a very big Wait, way. We'll soon allow is that who I think it is? One. Who do you think it is? Is that Kennedy? I don't. It I, looks like Kennedy. No. Is that not Kennedy? I don't know. For this, she lost a lot of weight. Billion users to hold conversations Could from be, start to finish. Looks like her. Total secrecy. And that's not. <sighs> So Facebook is going to enable end-to-end encryption and allow, allow, wait, enable total wait, secrecy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I, Telegram does this right now, Chris. <laughs> what well, about iMessage? With your friends. No. It also means criminals and terrorists can communicate behind a digital wall. Terrorists. Invisible to law enforcement. Yeah. By the way. Feature. By the way. I don't like it when news organizations do graphics and, 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 and they don't really research. Mm-hmm. This screen here. What is that from iOS four? That's something? like iOS five, five yeah, um, maybe, and like mess. That and that's not even the default camera app. That's like a. It's like what is this? I don't. Even, but what's weird is it has an updated icon next to it. Anyway, it's on that's, Facebook that's Messenger, Facebook's. which is separate from the main website. That is it's already old available stock on footage. a limited test basis. 4S. It's a four S. Fully rolled out a little later this summer. Wow. And we should point out that other tech companies like Apple are also unveiling end-to-end encryption in a bid to guarantee mm. privacy. Mm, you hear that? Doesn't? Yeah. We don't want so privacy. Customers oh. obviously want these for-profit corporations to protect their privacy. This is right. what the market wants. Chairman says it is Kennedy, by the way. And, and by the way, the funny thing is, this is ju- this is a judge guy who had his own judge show, Judge yeah. Alex. Yeah, hey, you're gonna love his commentary. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a little unfiltered breakdown here. Well, I mean, the big deal obviously is that law enforcement has been complaining for a while that these terrorists and criminals can hide behind that and do, do 
the, their plans and communicate about attacks. The problem, the fundamental argument that they're making here is that by Facebook and Telegram enabling end-to-end encryption and Apple, they are making it easy for the terrorists to, to communicate privately. The, the other side of this argument, though, is they've also publicly stated that terrorists are building their own encrypted communication chat apps and don't need these other apps. So they even can sideload it. Even if they somehow, if law enforcement was successful in getting these publicly owned companies that control this software, like that seems to be right. a much better solution for law enforcement to work with than ISIS supposedly creating their own independent app that they'd have no influence over. Which would have horrible encryption, right? But you see, the two arguments don't really line up. So you have yeah. one, you have one. They're arguing for this two things. They're arguing for ISIS not to be able to have their own app. They don't want that because they say that'd be dangerous. And at the same time, though, they're arguing that Facebook and what via WhatsApp and Apple shouldn't do encryption because then terrorists could use that. But that doesn't make any sense if there's already an app they can right. use yeah, without totally. law enforcement ever having a chance of intercepting and, and finding out what their plans are. And that's it's a political issue. It's something that Congress is going to have to decide oh. whether they want to legislate and make it illegal to have a. a, a communication system like this that has total encryption and obviously the public is going to weigh in on this obviously a lot of people do want it because other apps that are already out there have it yeah so from a business standpoint facebook and uh apple are at a disadvantage if they don't compete with the other apps mm. that have it but if the legislature steps in and says we're gonna we're not gonna allow this this is that's not see i think also the argument's false i don't i don't believe apple's motivation to do encryption that they cannot access themselves i don't believe the motivation is 100% competitive advantage. I no. think there is a, po- a component of it that is we want to design a system where we cannot hand over the data that, that the U.S. government keeps asking Yeah, they us won't for. be able to. Or the Chinese government. Right. Or the German government. Who, what, which, or the Russian government. That's right. that, you know, they, and they want to be able to sell their products in China. It's and, like creating T-1000, making it self-aware, and then you don't have your hands on the product anymore. And I think I, I, want, I want to underscore this point because I think this is a big, this is a big issue. Apple is incentivized to do this if they want to be able to sell a product in China and not have to sell out their souls. They need to create a device that they can't give the information to the Chinese government that they want. It's not just the U.S. government they're building these devices to defend from. It's all governments because they want to sell in countries all around the world. So it's not about Apple being concerned that WhatsApp has encryption or that Telegram has encryption. That's not – they designed iMessage before those applications existed. Yeah. That's right. This is going to be criminal from now on. Mm. Then it changes the whole playing field, and and you know people will have their input about what. But can you get should. can you get a warrant and take it to Facebook like law enforcement has in the past you with can't. all the big tech companies? No, with an encryption with an encryption like this, Facebook does not have the content. But Facebook does have the metadata and the law, and that if they've told us, they've told us that's all they need. That's all we need is the metadata. And just like Apple, all Apple also has the metadata. Now, what's the metadata? The metadata is what IP address and location you connected from, the device version and name that you connected from, the username that you logged in, and the day and time. That all that information and the same and the people that you then corresponded with, they have all of that information. They have a complete roadmap of what you're doing. They don't have they don't have the yeah. content of the message, but they have all of that data. And with a warrant, a legal warrant, you could get that information from a company like Facebook or Apple. You can't go get it from some random terrorist. No, no, they'll just go to the rubber stamp court and they'll just get it. That's exactly what they'll yeah. do. Yeah. So there is your uh, Facebook is supporting terrorism update. <laughs> now the. Uh, the Fox, uh, Fox um, informational train, as you may want to... That's Fox what and I, legs? Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's another way to put it there. Uh, this is... This might make 
your blood boil watching this clip. So we'll just play a little bit of it. It's, right. it's so great. It is so out of touch with reality. It is obviously trying to project a demographic that doesn't exist, but they need one too. And it's, it's just brilliantly done. Well, earlier we were talking about the rise of security moms. They are the suburban mothers. They're concerned with America's war on terror. They used to be the soccer moms. Now we're calling them security moms. <laughs> now, watch how many times she says that, too, because she is messaging here. Here with us to talk about their national security concerns are six mothers who share these views. Now, do these look like six mothers who used to be soccer moms that are now national security moms? Like, look at this gal on the left who is basically a Fox News anchor in training. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest, right? And in fact, she's so obviously a Fox News anchor in training that the person doing the introduction here accidentally calls her out more than she should because she's wearing basically a Fox yeah, News they're, outfit. They're all moms? We have Beth, who is right here in the front in the pink dress. Uh-huh. We have Kathy in the middle. Hi. We have Courtney here on the right. And in the back, we have Josie in the back, in the middle, Claudine, and then Deborah on the right. Thank you all so much for being with us. Chase, uh, for, for the audio audience, uh, could you describe the lower third that Fox News has up here? Because they're not getting that. Yeah. Uh, in quotation marks, this is key, in quotation marks, security moms, uh-huh. uh, the secondary, more mothers concerned with war on terror. And on the far right is a a customized logo, the rise of Islamic extremism. And then it's got the uh, ISIS flag, and then just a, just behind the rise of which is that using that Zoom font, Yeah, uh, it has bar, it's kind of hard to see maybe from across the room, but it has a barbed wire. Oh, yeah. A little yeah, barbed wire on the flag there, which is goes across the p- entire bottom of the lower third, some barbed wire. Yep. Dr. Gorka, as you know, at home, he was on with us about an hour ago talking about the difference. We used to all be soccer moms. We weren't necessarily worried about ISIS hitting us at home, but now it is in our backyards. We used to all be soccer. We used to all be soccer moms, what but Dr. now Gorka it's in our backyard. Now, yeah, we did. We weren't worried about them hitting us at home. Deborah, oh. on the right. Thank you all so much. Hour ago, talking about oh. the difference. We used to all be soccer moms. We weren't necessarily worried about ISIS hitting us at home, but now it is in our backyards. What, Dr. Gorka? First of all, to refresh our audience, what is a security mom? Because, you know, it's only been three seconds. Right. So it's a very interesting new dynamic. It's an interesting new dynamic. Or demographic whereby it's it's mothers who are starting to ask questions about how safe are we. They are the, the hub of the they're, family. They're the, they're, they're the mothers, Chris, who are finally uh, becoming that frog in a pot of boiling water and, and learning from the news that they should be afraid when really they shouldn't be. Yeah, or that's definitely one interpretation, or it's another way to say it is women traditionally don't concern themselves with things such as world events and and terrorism news and politics. They they care about what to cook dinner the next day. But with all of the ISIS-inspired shootings, cough, cough. Now they're finally waking up to the violence because it might because, be affecting their children. And that's the only thing they care about. And instead of playing soccer on the soccer field, there might be bombs. It's, it's mothers who are starting to ask questions about how safe are we. They are the, the hub of the family. And as a result, they look at the last 15 years and there's this question, are we safer today or not? They are the hub of the family. And so obviously, as a result... Without question, they look at the last 15 years and they ask the obvious question, are we safer? That's clearly... Uh, without question, what, what what defines a national security mom? If are we? They are the, the hub of the family, and as a result, they look at the last 15 years, and there's this question, are we safer today or not? And as a result, there could be a very important block come, come, coming November. Uh, do they feel safer? If not, what are they expecting from the next president? You know what we are witnessing here? 
besides horrible <laughs> propaganda. What we are witnessing is the media announcing a new demographic and market that advertisers can now buy ads into. They are announcing a new property that is available for advertising po- purpose and I, research. I, they, I, you know what? It's like the millennials. I, I would believe you because I came from that space. However, I think maybe it's not as, as full pedal to the metal. I, I think it, they're, they're just throwing something at the wall to see if it sticks. If Maybe it doesn't stage. stick, it, they're going to move on so quickly from it. It's interesting, these these groups, these demographics, it's fascinating. There's some there's some documentaries on this right. about how they come around, like the term millennials and, then, and, and also millennials and Generation X were both done, created by authors who just wanted to sell books and through interviews, they got the name to stick. This same, it starts with something like this. You get it to stick of course, National Security Moms is... But, by the way, Chris, you know, go back to that lower third here, because it has changed. You know, now it says parental priority. Suburban moms want a safer U.S. for children. What about urban moms, Chris? I mean, really, what about what the about, moms what that about live women, in the city? What about women that don't have children? And what about women that live in the country and not in suburbia? You know, there are moms out there that we need to be respecting across all It's really all something. Aspects. And so, and what about, what about National Security Dads? Yeah, what, what about them? What, what about, about nationals- single dads? Yeah. What about dads that are the hub of their families? You know, I don't appreciate Fox alienating those guys either. You know, there is a, there's been a new threat uh, uh, by a son of Bin Laden. He vows revenge on the U.S. Oh, and uh, did he, he might- put this on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> I'll play it for you. <laughs> Son of Osama bin Laden now, now vowing ah! revenge on the U.S. for the raid that killed his father in Pakistan. That threat coming in a new audio recording promising new attacks on Americans. Chief intelligence reporter Catherine Herridge on that yes! night in D.C. What are we learning, Catherine? Well, thank you, Bill. In the 21-minute audio statement from al-Qaeda's media branch, the 25-year-old son of Osama bin Laden promises to avenge his father's death. Titled, We Are All Osama, a reference to his father, Hamza bin Laden claims al-Qaeda will punish the West for its actions in the Palestinian territories, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Syria, Iraq, Yemen, and Somalia. You know my theory around this, because obviously he probably, I mean, he must have just found out about his dad's death and decided to do something, I guess. Uh, (laughs) He just found out. I have a a little bacon around this particular... yeah, and this came you know, from Montana, Chase. This, did, this came from Helena. Yeah, it's great bacon yeah, out there. That's nice. Yeah, talk about free range. Free range bacon. So I have a theory. The reason why Al-Qaeda crops up from time to time is you got to keep the war on terror legal. Oh, yeah. And the war on terror is predicated on stopping Al-Qaeda and Al-Qaeda's affiliates and supporters. Right. And so as long as Al-Qaeda is a threat, the war on terror is still legally viable. Yeah. So you got to keep them in the news. And if you have a new bad guy around Al-Qaeda, woo-wee, that's some good news. That's you, something you to really- to keep it going. You, you know, you got to catch them all, Chase. You got <laughs> to catch, catch them all. And it should be a little bit harder because, uh, you know, we just keep accidentally giving weapons to uh, uh, ISIS rebels. Accident? Or, or are they uh, getting that with the Toyota vehicles for free? So we've covered several different stories. Right. Accidental drops, things like that. And another story here, uh, basically it breaks down like this. Um Weapons meant for rebels that we support accidentally fall into just the hands of ISIS. Once again, because at the last minute some plans changed, which just happened to cause a certain dominoes of events. Uh, I have an audio clip here for you of the event. 
Thanks for joining us here on the program. A unit of Syrian rebels has suffered a defeat at the hands of ISIL after they were left without air cover from U.S. jets, which suddenly changed course to a different target. So I want to keep everybody and make sure we're speaking the same language. Syrian rebels is newspeak for the bad guys that we back, that we consider anti-Assad. Okay. That's, that's, that's who the Syrian rebels are. So and the, Syrian, the ones that we want... Right. And those the, are the Syrian rebels. The Syrian rebels are the ones that are authorized to call in U.S. airstrikes. They're the ones that we give comms equipment to. They're the ones right. that have been CIA trained. They're okay. the ones, yeah. Uh, now, but the problem is, is it turns out that they, they change their allegiances all the time, and moderate and rebels is kind of a joke in this context, and they're all really just mercenaries for hire, whoever pays the most. So anyways, our backed rebels, our Syrian rebels, are looking for us to come from support. They're calling up the U.S. of A., the strongest military in the world, America, come out here and give us some backup. And instead of us going there, we change course at the last minute. Suffered a defeat at the hands of ISIL after they were left without air cover from U.S. jets, which suddenly changed course to a different target. Air cover by As US a result, jets. Wow. ISIL got their hands on advanced weapons, supposedly given to the rebels by the Pentagon. Advanced weapons. If there if there were airstrikes afterwards, uh, we clearly didn't get everything because we saw Dash displaying uh, equipment that had been left behind by the new Syrian army uh, as it uh, pulled out of the area. RT's Kelly Mopa now explaining what has happened between the U.S. and their Syrian allies on the ground. Reports are now coming out that last week, when Pentagon-trained forces were in the midst of their battle with ISIL and were relying on U.S. air support, they found that support disappearing over the horizon and heading to a new target, raining their bombs down on the outskirts of the Iraqi city of Fallujah. Explaining the decision, U.S. top brass said there were only finite resources available and they needed to get their priorities right. And on this occasion, Fallujah apparently delivered, quote, the most bang for their buck. Now, this incident raises new questions about the U.S. Strategy of training local forces. You know, the uh, local forces love it when uh, you just uh, say you're going to support them and yeah. then pull out. That really endears them uh, to staying loyal to us. So that's a good call. That's a really good call there. Isn't that really something? Man. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So I want to cover this story that was on, I think this is PBS. Uh, we are. M- we are continuing to move more forces around Russia's borders and what is now – they have a term for it. It's a continuous rotation because the, uh, the agreements that we have between NATO uh, and Russia is that there wouldn't be a permanent force established on Russia's border. But a rotational force that is permanent <laughs> is still- a little loophole. So what we're doing is we just keep sending troops there and pulling them back and sending new troops and different countries are doing it and uh, – well, yeah. There's been some people that have noticed. Yesterday, NATO approved the deployment of multinational battalions to Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia to deter Russia in light of Russia's actions in Ukraine. Man. Joining me now by Skype from Warsaw is Washington Post Brussels Bureau Chief Michael Birnbaum. Michael, Russia has been a huge topic at this summit, and today former Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev accused NATO leaders of escalating tensions with Russia. Can you tell us what's he talking about? What's the context? What he's talking about is not only are there now continuous troop deployments, but we've also added uh, 
missile de- um, systems. To oh, shoot. missile defense systems. Yes, exactly. And this clip here is it's. A, I'm going to play a little bit of the beginning, and then I'm going to real time jump to the end because I didn't get time to cut it before the show. And uh, it explains what the missile system supposedly is. Next, leaders from NATO countries met in Poland today to finalize plans to beef up the military alliance. For the first time since the Cold War, multinational troops will continuously rotate through four countries in Eastern Europe. Special correspondent Nick Schifrin, with the help of the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting, concludes our series with a look at America's largest military buildup there in a quarter century and why Russia sees it as a threat. Here's the scenario. An unnamed enemy has invaded a NATO ally. Can you believe an unnamed enemy now? Who do you think that enemy is? Russia. The U.S. response is heavy and swift. But yet Russia is the aggressive ones because of what they did in Crimea, where the people of Crimea supposedly voted to succeed and join Russia. Russia is the aggressive ones. And we, we're not just, we're not just kind of dan- being Chris, around the Chris, bush. We're just rotating um, just troops. We're just They're shooting training. at Russian tanks, uh, old Russian tanks in their practice. For U.S. troops who've been fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, this is more firepower than they've ever had. And more fun. We've been fighting an insurgency for the last 14 years. We've been fighting people in their own native home who are not well defended because, you know, they're just regular folk. Uh, Now we're prepared to fight someone who is closely uh, matched to our combat power. Someone. Now we're we're Putin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're just right out saying it. We're getting ready to fight Russia. Captain Joel Marbot deployed twice to Afghanistan. This exercise, held last month, was the largest in Eastern Europe since the Cold War. We, we, remember, we now talked about this. prepared for any enemy counterattack to come back across the international border. Enemy. Orbit isn't allowed to name that enemy. But enemy. in the command tent, Lieutenant Colonel Johnny Evans pulls fewer punches when discussing his Polish hosts. And they see, you know, examples of Russian aggression. Russian aggression. Us being here, assuring them that the U.S. has not abandoned them. That Us being extremely aggressive. <laughs> the U.S. is still a strong supporter of NATO, can do nothing but provide additional assurance. Nothing but provide additional assurance. Now, I'll let you watch the rest of the clip. I want to jump ahead, though, to... Uh, well, actually, this looks pretty good. Let's do a little... A little we're going to talk about the missile defense system and why maybe Russia... They, they have a reason why maybe Russia shouldn't be so worried. President Putin's threats are made possible by nearly a decade of Russian military expansion. According to one study, if it wanted to, Russia could overwhelm NATO troops in the Baltics in fewer than three days. Is it really a deterrence to have a few battalions in Eastern Europe when Russia has hundreds of thousands of troops across the border? Um, it's their country! You make, you make a fair point. Certainly Russia has been provocative. They, they talk about... Uh, nuclear weapons against Sweden, Denmark, Romania. When they feel that they're threatened, they have a tendency to close ranks. Putin now has a universal excuse. Whatever is going wrong in Russia, he's blaming it on Obama, he's blaming it on NATO, he's blaming it on the European Union. And most patriotic Russians, uh, they feel, well, uh, perhaps our country is being under tremendous threat. That fuels a cycle of increasingly large exercises and increasingly violent warnings. This level of tension hasn't been felt in a generation, and it's being taught by both sides to the next generation. It's quite a, it's quite a report that PBS did here. Uh, they talk also about the missile defense system, about how large it is. I think maybe right here. The powerful capability that will uh, be very effective. It helped changing the calculus 
for Russia or any potential adversary in Europe. That is, to me, I think uh, we are we are going down a path that, of course, Hillary is just going to continue. But uh, yikes! Wait, wait. You're calling it? Hacked emails. Hacked emails from the account of a former NATO Supreme Commander reportedly showed that he privately plotted against President Obama over his policies on Russia. So, speaking of NATO, this is why they scare the hell out of me. Do you hear this? One of the top NATO guys was plotting against Obama. Chikian has got the story. The hacked emails of retired General Philip Bridloff, who until recently was the commander of NATO forces in Europe, reveal the intense back-channel lobbying for the Obama administration to arm the Ukrainian government against the rebels in the East. The emails are from 2014, at the height of the war in Ukraine. Bridloff attempted to influence the administration through several channels, reaching out to various former and present officials. Including he... he uh try to butter up Colin Powell. As well as is seeking the advice of foreign policy experts. Here's a snippet of what they discussed. I don't see this White House really engaged by working with Europe or NATO. Frankly, I think we're a worry. I seek your counsel on two fronts. How to frame this opportunity in a time when all eyes are on ISIL. And two, how to work this personally with the President of the United States. Given Obama's instruction to you not to start a war, this may be a tough sell. This is a mess. I do not understand our White House. General Bridlov appears to have been frustrated by President Obama's reluctance to further militarize the conflict in Ukraine and by doing so, increase the bloodshed. In a string of emails which were addressed to officials, including Assistant Secretary Victoria Nuland and the U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Pyatt, Bridlov says, quote, Victoria, meaning Victoria Noland, can attest there is precious little support for lethal aid. This has changed on the military side, but still not across the river. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it. And, you know, fuck the EU. That's Victoria Noland right there for you, Chase. Man. So I kind of want it. When they talk about you know those NATO exercises and you hear about how those generals are so hungry for war and they're right there on that on those borders, they're right there with all those fancy weapons. They've got those troops coming back from Afghanistan that are just so happy not to be in the desert. I right. mean, that is like, that's got to be a way better deployment for them. Oh, totally. That feels like a situation that could blow up at any moment. Well, good thing we have a hawk on the case <laughs> and uh, with Hillary, you know, mm. she's going to she's going to take care of our troops and you ready take to care talk, of our country. You ready to talk about the hill dog? Well, maybe before we do that though, mm-hmm. we take a time to thank our patrons. I think that's a great idea, Chase. Yeah. Patreon.com/unfilter. Thanks to all 447 now, of you. I have a faux pas. I, oh. I, I I made a big mistake Uh-oh. this week. Oh, wait, hold Huge on. Huge mistake. Hold on, let's see. Um, wait, Huge. I need something. I need something. Hold I know on. you do. That's okay. Like, what is it? <laughs> well, let's call somebody. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I uh, forgot to put out the the the, the call the call for messages. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. And, because last week you know, we didn't have a show. Right. And all that. We got out of sync, and the week before that nobody responded, so we kind of got out of we got out of sync. So so, so here's, here's what the heads I'm, up. Well, yeah, but here's what I'm going to do. What are you going to do, Chase? We have a lot of people who support us at five dollars or more per month. Yeah, and at thirty three. Sure, sure. Yeah. We, we give a special perk for our club thirty three members. Yeah. But if you have a thoughtful and and you know something that you want to include to the show next week, mm-hmm. I'm going to open up to five dollars. That's super. That's a great idea. Yeah. So so I will be sending out a Patreon post that will only be available to five dollars or more 
who support us at patreon.com slash unfiltered. Nice. And uh, submit your feedback to us. Tell us what, what you think about the Brexit, the election, yeah. what's going on in Russia, yeah. uh, what's going on here at home. Everything that you uh, you, you, know, you want to send to us, uh, save it. And I'll be posting that to our Patreon uh, this week. We had a few patrons on the last uh, clearance uh, drop off, so we actually fell back below our milestone. Oh, no. So if you'd like to help us and support the show, we'd love to get back above that milestone again. We've already engaged the changes there, but we just fell yeah. below it again. And so Patreon.com. You know, credit cards, you know, they, it, it, yeah. it happens all the time. And so uh, this show is sponsored by our audience directly. That's who we make the show for. And we try to give you uh, the people's version with the – Unfiltered thesis attached to it of That's what right. happened each week, and we make it for you. Uh, also, if you are a supporter, check out the sync this week. There's a lot of extra great clips in there, good additional content in there as well. And I've been posting the entire live show on patreon.com slash unfilter if you guys want to catch it. That's right. So well. you can actually watch the whole thing uh, from start to finish. It is good to be back, everybody. Sorry about last week. I was on the road. Yeah, how was that trip? So you you went to what Montana, right? Idaho and Montana. Spent some time in Bozeman. Man, I would have loved to see Montana. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I actually really do like Montana. It's just huge. It takes forever to get across. But uh, we we went down there. We enjoyed some hot springs and a few fun fact, Chris. Yeah, fun fact. Montana is as wide east to west as California is north to south. I believe it, Chase. I have driven Fun both fact. east to west and and uh, north to south, and it felt about it. You know, Washington itself takes a few days to get out of, and Oregon itself feels big. And I but think California and Montana. Whew. And I think it's either North Dakota or Montana that has the only city in America, uh, a capital city. You know, it's like Sacramento, California, Olympia, Washington, that doesn't have an interstate going to that capital city. Whoa. That's weird. Yeah, that I, sounds like Montana or, or or North Dakota. It could be one of those two. You know what I ran into just because of the seasons, because the change over to summer is super intense wind. When you're driving an RV, you really feel the wind even oh, like I bet. four miles per hour you feel it. I mean, and the winds were doing like 25 miles per hour. Now, Montana, while back in the day they didn't have a speed limit during the daytime, now they do because of federal law. But I've heard that cops out there still really don't care if you're if you're no. so it's so amazing how, how uh, but the, you know Lady Jupes doesn't you don't want to you don't really want to go eighty but the speed limit is eighty yeah they they, they uh, it is their maximum <laughs> there are times I'll do seventy seventy five but uh, fuel economy is really best around sixty okay sixty five so it kind of depends yeah. on the road you get about what five to the, the gallon <laughs> well I'll get about eight yeah so it depends on the wind though the wind can really mess it oh, up oh man. I, 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 I've always, when I retire someday, I would love to be able to have an RV like that and just go to like every baseball park in America, you know, those kind of dreams you know, that you, you have. Know, that seems very cool. What worked out really well for me as a poor podcaster is, uh, so for me, I already own it because it's, it's my, it's my, it's where I live too. And so right. it's basically my rent. It's actually yeah. less than rent would be here, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the utilities, which is like gas, basically, right? Only when I'm driving, though. That's true. Otherwise, where, I'm, where I camp at, that's all included. Oh, that's true. So that's really nice, and I don't have to worry about bills. But the other thing that was, was amazing, uh, we went on an eight-day road trip. We only yeah. ate out twice. Because you just when you, you when you have your when you, you have, have your, your home kitchen. with you you have your you have your fridge and your pantry yeah and when you are on the road and you're on a major highway you just look for a so while I was on the road trip Google Maps added the ability to add routes yeah you know, you have stops along the way so you can just whoop, hit grocery store and I can look at which one's closest to the highway and which one fits Lady Jupes and we did grocery shopping now, on the road are you getting are you Montana prices Montana prices are you going to get like a smart car maybe to like to tow to the back <laughs> so this way like when you pull into a place yeah. Then Maybe. you can jump in your smart car and well, like, we, take we it to the count. Uh, Hadia's car is like tiny. 
Already. Oh, okay. So yeah. do you, do you tow a car behind the jupes? Not presently, just because I the dollies are expensive and I oh. don't really have the money to buy one. But Fair enough. you know, for future road trips, I've been watching Craigslist, keeping my eye out for a good deal. And sometimes they get down to around six hundred bucks, and that's so starting good. to get to be a better deal. Right. Plus, I could then tow with my truck too. That Which would be true. really nice. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, being able to take your entire kitchen with you and, be able, and fit the thing in certain parking lots, and then what you do is you do your. This is the chip that we realized this trip and we're able to actually take advantage of is do the grocery shopping in Montana or Idaho, not in Washington. Why? So I got a box of Kind bars that I get usually just like as a breakfast while I'm driving into yeah. work. It's uh, it's about twelve ninety nine or thirteen bucks, something like that at Safeway here in Smoky Point. Yeah. Same box, exact same product, five ninety nine in Montana. Wow. Yeah, a loaf of bread, like a dollar ninety nine. Whoa. Eggs, totally cheap. Milk, total everything, all the groceries are way, way but that's cheaper. That's not because of taxes. What is that from? I don't know. Because we don't they don't charge taxes. So food. we did grocery shopping wow. in Montana. And it it and so the only real expense we had was gas and we just Costco. budgeted for that. You go to Costco. Yeah, we didn't, but that would have been awesome. Uh, all right, so enough talking about that. Let's get back on track here. So it's good all to right. be back with yeah, you guys. Yeah, definitely. We missed you guys. Let's go back in time a little bit because a few things, well, more than a few things transpired since our last episode. And yeah. I want to resume with the, with Loretta Lynch and her whole meeting with Bill Clinton and some of the continued discussion around that. And then we'll move more forward. More than a year after controversy erupted over Hillary Clinton's emails, the FBI is apparently on the verge of interviewing her for the very first time. So this was, I think, the weekend after uh, our last show. And um, this was the story at that point, and then we'll move forward from here. About using a private server during her tenure as Secretary of State. This, as Attorney General Loretta Lynch tried to quiet a firestorm over a private meeting with former President Bill Clinton while his wife is under investigation. NBC's Andrea Mitchell has details. I had done. So I am Hillary Clinton, within weeks of the Democratic nomination, expected to face her long-awaited FBI interview as soon as tomorrow, possibly at her Washington home, the scene of a lot of activity in recent days, including her longtime legal advisor, Cheryl Mills. As Clinton faces a critical moment in a political career that has had more than its share of ups and downs, even as the attorney general acknowledging today she made a big mistake meeting this week privately with Clinton's husband. In the show notes, I have a couple of different links to news stories where there was interviews with some FBI agents and they basically linked leaked that they do think that the meeting between Lynch and Clinton, there was a there was a deal made. Oh, absolutely. Even though she's been denying it constantly. So, well, I mean, to be fair, Bill was just passing through. They just so happened to get together. Yeah, it turns out. He Talk, tur- they're talking about grandkids. Come on. It man. turns out he delayed his flight to wait for her. It, like, there's a lot to it. Um, and it's actually usually protocol for, for the two different planes not to be there at the same time. And so there's a lot there. But He wanted to see how her grandkids It's were. funny because at this point, it's really... Neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter. So let's move forward to why that no longer matters. Our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before deciding whether to bring charges. James Comey. There are obvious considerations like the strength of the evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. That's key. Because uh, if he would have, I guess, supposedly, based on the criteria, he decided to look at this case. If he tried to go after her for those criteria, the law that would have been used is on shaky ground constitutionally. And if challenged, would probably fall apart, which Clinton likely would do. 
he talks about that in testimony in a little bit, but that's what he's referring to when he says that bit right there is because in the context in which he decided to view this case, in that within that context, the laws that would be used are not sound and wouldn't stand up to a serious legal threat. Similar situations have been handled in the past. In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. All the cases prosecuted involved some combination of clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information. Which I think is easy to demonstrate that she did. Oh, absolutely. Or vast quantities of information exposed in such a way as to support an inference of intentional misconduct. Of course, we don't really know what was deleted. Or indications of disloyalty to the United States or efforts to obstruct justice. We do not see those things here. Now, there were other ways he could have proceeded to go with this. Hillary Clinton attended instructional training and signed something under oath for the FBI stating that she understood that she how she had to handle classified email. It was specific training to this regard. And that week is the week that she established her own private email server. He could have gone after her for that, but he just didn't. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. Now, why is he saying that? Did you hear what he just yeah, said? Yeah, because he wants to make sure that no one else does this again? Or... I don't think so. I don't think so. That in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. I don't think he likes Hillary Clinton, and I think he is giving people the fuel that they need for a fire to go after her for administrative sanctions. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. He's basically saying the law uh, would apply to somebody else would come down on them. To the contrary, those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions, but that's not what we're deciding now. That's not his job to decide, he says. As a result, although the Department of Justice makes final decisions on matters like this, we are expressing to justice our view that no charges are appropriate in this case. So I want to make it clear what I'm referring to is Hillary Clinton, when she became Secretary of State years ago, attended training where she had to sign under oath that she understood the training. That's the oath that she broke when that week she established a private mail server. So that's and that's an FBI record that we'll get into that in a bit. All right. Uh, we'll keep going forward on this particular story because the reality is I think there's pretty clear evidence that she willfully violated the law. First for you, the FBI says that the emails sent through Hillary Clinton's private server for state affairs contained top secret information. But Clinton previously insisted that her correspondence did not include any confidential data. Nothing I sent or received was marked classified at the time. That is an absolute fact. 110 emails have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. Wait, despite wait, the confirmation wait, that. Do you think he used the words at the time intentionally? Oh, yes. To he, match what she said, not yes. at the time. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't think he likes I, I, Hillary. When I, when I heard that, I was just like, gee, that is also, not a coincidence. Also, just as an aside, there are. There are only a couple of other people that speak as intentionally as James Comey. Right. Uh, I would say President Obama. And probably, 
I would say some of the top officials like Brennan and others, they uh, and Clapper, they're very, very not even really Clapper though. They're very, very careful with their word choice. Or most politicians. No, I'm not. No, no, no. Yes, <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean I, these I know ones in particular, real like specific. Comey, so much so where he will stop. He will stop talking. He will think about his next word, and then he'll speak. He's that. In- By the way, do you notice RT? Another thing here. I mean, you know, I think displaying of information matters. They're calling Hillary Clinton U.S. presidential hopeful instead of presumptive Democratic nominee. Maybe is it shorter? Yeah, I don't know. Absolute fact. 110 emails have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. He emphasized it. Oh, yeah. And he's gonna, I'm going to play some of his testimony in a moment. He does it even Despite more. the confirmation that Clinton's emails contained classified data, the FBI has recommended that no charges be brought against the Democratic presidential hopeful. Here's Guyana Chichikan with more on the announcement. A U.S. federal statute makes it a felony to mishandle classified information, either intentionally or in a grossly negligent way. Almost everything James Comey said before making the recommendation not to prosecute Mrs. Clinton sounded like evidence that she did break the law. And yet, raising many eyebrows, he said no charges recommended. There is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. None of these emails should have been on any kind of unclassified system. The FBI also discovered several thousand work-related emails that were not among the group of 30,000 emails returned by Secretary Clinton to state in 2014. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, we are expressing to justice our view that no charges are appropriate in this case. So, although the FBI found that Secretary Clinton should have known that the information that she received and sent had no place on a vulnerable private server, which was apparently less secure than Gmail, the FBI director said no reasonable prosecutor will bring such a case. He added... To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. The FBI recommendation now goes to the Justice Department. Its chief, by the way, just days ago said she discussed grandkids in an impromptu meeting with Bill Clinton. So so you can probably guess uh, how that decision went. Attorney General has released a statement saying she's going to accept the recommendation from the director of the FBI. Let me read you this statement, Walt. It says, late this afternoon, I met with the FBI director, James Comey, and career prosecutors and agents who conducted the investigation of Secretary Hillary Clinton's use of a personal email system. I received and accepted their unanimous recommendation that the thorough years-long investigation be closed and no charges be brought. There you go. So uh, that's a huge load off Hillary after Hillary's uh, shoulders there. Now, here's what I was kind of hinting at. And instead of me ranting on about it, let's let Napolitano Oh, rant let's about take it. it to the judge. Are they just above but the law? But there were rules to, on how to operate in the Well, there not only were rules. <laughs> not to have a server in your basement. There, there are federal statutes. I, mo- I mean, the most serious thing it, she appears to have done, just from the public record now, not, not obviously not knowing what the FBI knows, is the failure to safeguard state secrets. That's called espionage. And that is a crime that can be proven not only by intent and we 
we have evidence of intent. There's an email in which she tells one of her uh, underlings, erase the secret marking and fax it to me using a regular Amazing. fax machine. No one will know it was secret and I have to read it. Mm. But the crime can also be proven by gross negligence. Moreover, on her first day in office, she had a two-hour FBI tutorial. This is what I was talking about right here. At the end of which she signed under oath a statement setting forth what she was told in that tutorial, among which uh, are the following. You are obliged to recognize a state secret when you see one, whether it's marked confidential secret, top secret or not. And your negligence can form the basis for an espionage prosecution. So she agreed to all of that under oath. There you go, right there. But somehow, and that was an FBI document, the director of the FBI and their investigation just ignored that. She knew, she knew. The very week that she had that tutorial is when she hired this fellow, Brian Pagliano, and paid him $5,000 to commit a crime, to migrate a, a public and a secret State Department stream from government computers mm. to her own, uh, her own server. And she did not tell the FBI po- folks who gave her the tutorial that she was so playing was she to do just this. getting her ducks in a row so she knew exactly where the line was before she, she went wanted, right up. You know why I think she's always done this? And he's about to say it. And uh, I'm so glad he's saying it instead of me because I thought this is the reason for the email server from the very beginning. Hillary has been playing the long game to win the presidency since she took the job at State Department. She wanted president when she took the job for State Department, so she knew going into it as Secretary of State, she is going to have to run for president, and her emails were going to be looked at, and as Secretary of State, she had some creepy, creepy S she had to pull down, and she didn't want there to be records of it. In my my view, and I'm I'm saying this at the risk of trying to get into her head, in my view, she wanted to, uh, to avoid the scrutiny of the president the public, the press, and much of the State Department outside of her inner circle about what she planned to do, like destabilize Libya. I mean, there's, there's no other conclusion to come to other than that. Two federal judges have come to the same conclusion. What do you think? God, it feels so slimy. It feels so sickening. Oh, good news. The lawnmower's here. Good. <laughs> it's good to know. Good. Thank you. Make sure you walk. You get the spot behind the studio yeah, a few you get, times. Yeah, get that spot. No, Chris, I, I it's sad that I'm not surprised that this happened, right? But at the same time, it's like all the evidence and writing was on the wall, and it still didn't happen. So the wow. So the, just, you got uh, so. Uh, Paul Ryan, other Republicans, oh, yeah. they demanded answers from Comey. Clearly. Republican congressman not happy with the director. Democratic congresspeople trying to pettifog the issue, not really interested in what happened. In other words, partisan politics dominated the hearing. But there were a few interesting moments. Did Hillary Clinton lie under oath? To the, not to the FBI, not in a case we're working. That's a really interesting answer, isn't it? Not to the FBI. Not, not in a case, case we're, we're working. working. Later, they ask if there's an investigation into the Clinton Foundation, and he says, I can't answer that at this time. Huh. So again, he is super, and I know it's going to be hard for you to tell because this is edited, but I watched the testimony. I've watched him for a while. He's very careful in his words he chooses, and he's, he didn't need to say he, that. He kind of feels like a guy, and I know I'm, I'm probably... Maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm not. But a guy who was told, you're going to do this. I, I and he did it. 
and he feels like his hands are I tied. I, I, think I don't know. I mean, it's I like think. I'll tell you. Here's what I remember: think. he's a Republican guy. You know, it's uh, one of those guys who would love being able to put Hillary, Hillary think, to the fire. I think even though he's not supposed to be, he's a politician. And here's what I think: he's right. playing the long game. So the law that they would have thrown at Hillary wouldn't have stuck. It wouldn't have worked. He says it in his testimony. It, yeah, would have thrown. Yeah. Uh, just ask the lawnmower guy out there. He's ta- he, he and I would have been talking known. about right, it too. Yeah, uh, yeah. he would have totally known. Yeah, no, he and I had a conversation about it last time we did a show because right. he likes to stop by while I'm doing shows. Fair enough. Uh, so, I think what Comey's doing here is playing the long game. He knew, even though everybody had their hopes pinned on it, he couldn't be the guy to take her down and do it cleanly. But what he's doing here is he offered to be here at this hearing. He offered. They had to drag Lynch, and she didn't answer a single question. Oh, he was quick to go. He answers every you know question what? with information. I thought about that. So he had his uh, his press conference, right? And remember, at the end of the press conference, he says, if this was somebody else, there would be some sort of administrative action. He opened the door right there, right. but he basically said, if this were anybody yeah. else, which is just throwing a bone to the dogs. Right. And then, you know, when I heard that the, the, the committee was being formed and they were going to have him come, he was quick to be there. He yeah. was quick. And he answers every single question clearly. And he does it in a way. And, that, and I wasn't expecting that either. So they'll say, so they'll say, did, did Hillary Clinton do something wrong? And he will just give, he will give the answer in a way that is truthful, but says, yeah, she did it wrong. Hillary Clinton lie under oath? To the, not to the FBI. Not, not to the FBI. Well, they didn't put her under oath when they questioned her. But then he could have stopped right there. In yeah. the case we're working, did you review the documents where Congressman Jim Jordan asked her specifically? And she said, quote, there was nothing marked classified on my emails, either sent or received, end quote. I don't remember reviewing that particular testimony. I'm aware of that being said, though. Did the FBI investigate her statements under oath on this topic? Not to my knowledge. I don't think there's been a referral from Congress. So they didn't investigate her statements under oath to Congress when she kind of lied, when she supposedly lied to them. I just want to play it back just a little bit. Statements under oath on this topic? Not to my knowledge. I don't think there's been a referral from Congress. Do you need a referral from Congress to investigate her her? Statements under oath? Sure do. You'll have one. Now, I don't really understand that, why the FBI cannot investigate public statements made under oath in the course of an investigation without a specific referral. We've been trying to find out very specifically. I don't want to make any mistakes here, so we're working on it. Now, most of the other testimony was a rehash of what has already been said. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails, either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. Secretary Clinton said, I did not email any classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? There was classified material emailed. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? She used multiple devices during the four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. In the end, few minds will be changed by the... Well, I've used multiple devices, but I only use one at a time. Yeah, that's exactly probably what it was, right? Uh, So there wasn't a lot there. And, of course, the FBI, I mean, there there was nothing we didn't know, but they clearly, clearly rebukes things she's been saying for a while. And then there's, of course, uh, the... uh, 
the whole fact. Here's a clip that dis- describes that, that basically says on record that they didn't they didn't record the interview and she wasn't under oath. Hillary Clinton did not swear an oath to tell the truth before a meeting with the FBI for three and a half hours last weekend, and the interview was not recorded, according to FBI Director James Comey. The lack of a sworn oath does not remove the possibility of criminal possibilities against Clinton if she lied to the FBI, though he said he had, quote, no basis to conclude that she was untruthful. Yet the revelations will nonetheless raise questions among Republicans who have been skeptical of the FBI's investigation and have demanded to see the transcript of the former Secretary of State's interview in downtown Washington on Saturday. I thought that was kind of interesting, didn't, don't you? Seems like something yeah. you might do for something that important. And then, of course, the Republicans are trying to stir a little, uh, a little trouble. Well, no f- charges are going to be filed against Fox Hillary Clinton for being careless with her emails. But FBI Director James Comey did open the door to another consequence. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. He even bumps the table. To the contrary. Those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions, but that's not what we're deciding now. Bumps the table again. Now Republicans in Congress are working on a bill to strip Clinton of her security clearance. So, how- <laughs> Which, by the way, <laughs> honestly, Chris, that's on. stupid because, you know, you want your next president to be well-informed well, with security. yeah, come on. You know that. And then, of course, there's the... And turning to politics now, a new poll shows opinion. most Americans disagree with the Justice Department's decision not to charge Hillary Clinton for using that private email server. 56% disapprove, but our ABC News Washington Post poll finds... Most Americans now say the email scandal will not influence their vote. Which is, yeah, she's uh, she's pretty happy about that. Congratulations, Hillary, you, uh, you got it. So she's she's probably feeling pretty good this week, uh, especially after uh, her good new, her brand her brand new buddy in blue, Elizabeth Warren, showed up. This is my uh, I know, Hillary right? Clinton and Elizabeth Warren on the same stage and the same side. Warren withheld her endorsement for more than a year. So they lingered today for nearly two minutes, Whoa. soaking up the adoration from Democrats in Cincinnati. Thank you. I'm here today because I'm with her. Yes, her. <laughs> so there's that, that, that for the progressives, man, that really hurt. But I don't know if I heard about as much as this did. Thirteen days before the Democratic convention opens, Clinton got the endorsement today of Bernie Sanders. And here's Nancy Cordes. Woo. Secretary Clinton has won the Democratic nominating process. He waited five weeks, but when Sanders announced his backing today, he was unequivocal. I have come here to make it as clear as possible as to why I am endorsing Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton will make an outstanding president, and I am proud to stand with her today. Thank you all very much. What do you think? Well, I didn't get a lot of play because of Amazon Prime Day. So yeah, it didn't uh, get actually. Actually, you're not joking. It no, really I'm didn't not. get a lot of. It play. didn't get a lot of play, and I and I and I wonder about that a lot. I mean, seriously, there was a lot happening yesterday, and it makes me wonder. It really does. Uh, I caught a little something though, a little audio feed that was before they came out on stage. That, uh-huh. that uh, kind of I think shows you how the public really feels. We need to elect Hillary. Not only to keep Donald Trump out of office. You hear someone go, no, in the background. So this is, she's warming up the crowd. (laughs) 
Opening act. There's no way they're excited, that excited about what she just said. There's obviously people riling them up right now. And then do you hear what they're saying? Bernie. Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. And then she starts saying Hillary. 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 They cut the mic so you can't hear it. They cut the mics. Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. Okay. Hillary, Hillary. We okay. need to get to Hillary here. <laughs> Isn't that kind of embarrassing or what? That's, that was before Sanders came out and did his endorsement. Woo. I did see an article today that, you know, if, if Hillary gets pulled back, right, that, you know, Bernie can just slide right in there, right? And so... No. How do you feel about all this? What do you think? Now, what do you think? How is the uh, 2016 election looking to you, Chase? What are your new thoughts on who's going to win? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, it, it, for me, you know, personally, personally for me, it's very hard for me to pick either of them for obvious reasons. And I don't consider myself Republican or Democrat or, or Libertarian or Green or whatever. I consider myself, you know, independent. But and she's now got she's now got Warren. She's got uh, Sanders. She's got they're, the super delegates. They're just jumping on the bandwagon. You know what's great too? I don't care what they think. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You really? I don't. You don't think they're gonna? You don't think that's gonna bring? You don't think Sanders is gonna bring some people with him? No, I I I think a lot of the hardcore Sanders supporters, and you know, and I've seen a lot of threads online, yeah. where they are very upset. With Sanders and yeah. saying, you know, well, you know, if he's not going to do it, then I'm not going to vote at all. Yeah, I've seen or that I'm gonna, too. Or I'm going to vote third party. You know, I also, um, you it's know, not like just that. the Sanders. Uh, it's interesting. It's not just the Sanders supporters who are upset. The left establishment is upset in how Bernie has pulled this off. I want to play this clip from MM, MSNBC. MMM. MM. MSNBC. Yep. Their morning Joe show. Coffee. Caddy timing's everything. And I think Bernie was about a month too late, right? He may well have been, and there was not a lot of attention paid to it. But, yes, it took 37 days from the moment Clinton mathematically became the presumptive nominee. And finally yesterday, when Sanders appeared alongside her, he had his official endorsement. In New Hampshire, the state that was home to his first primary win, a 22-point victory, remember, over Clinton, Sanders spoke at length about his vision for the country and how he has shaped the party platform and Hillary Clinton's own campaign. Together, we have begun a political revolution to transform America and that revolution continues. Our campaign won the primaries and caucuses in 22 states. And when the roll call at the Democratic National Convention is announced, it will show that we won almost 1,900 delegates. Secretary Clinton goes into the convention with 389 more pledged delegates than we have. Can you believe he went into this? It's oh, weird, right? Yeah. Super delegates. That's an interesting endorsement. Yeah, exactly. Which didn't get played in the other piece. Yeah. Secretary Clinton has won the Democratic nominating process. Now that did get played. 
and I intend to do everything I can to make certain she will be the next president of the United States. Not everybody was thrilled, though. Some Sanders supporters reportedly walked out of that event. And Donald Trump tried to capitalize on their dissatisfaction. He wrote on Twitter, quote, to all the Bernie voters who want to stop bad trade deals and global special interests, we welcome you with open arms, people first. Bernie Sanders has abandoned his supporters by endorsing pro-war, pro-TPP, pro-Wall Street, crooked Hillary Clinton. And finally, Bernie Sanders endorsing crooked Hillary Clinton is like Occupy Wall Street endorsing Goldman Sachs. Some questions, Joe, about whether that endorsement was as wholehearted as a <laughs> from Bernie Sanders. Or was it just a list of his own attributes? Oh, my gosh. Some questions. Holy cow. Could have done better, I reckon. And the delegate count. Wow, Nicole. Not, I, you know, the superdelegate system, now, the, now that we're at this end of it, doesn't the superdelegate system just feel like a scam? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And uh, you, you talked about the math. He really did get close. Yeah. I, you know, it made me think, Chase. She's, she, I, think it was, I think it was in 195 that we can declare Hillary Clinton won the election. Um, unless Trump really pulls it out, but <clears throat> I want to talk about Trump here in just a second, so let's not go there. Uh, because she has some serious support behind her now. She has Obama campaigning for her. She has a former president campaigning for her. But then this crossed, me, hold me, on one but, thing. This right. crossed my mind. All right. She she has been planning for this moment since before she became Secretary of State. That's oh, what the yeah. that's what the email server was about. Yeah. She used that time to win over the superdelegates. She used her power as Secretary of State to influence them. She used the Clinton Foundation to influence them and become richer. She did the, She became she, – she grew her war chest in preparation for this by talking to those banks and giving those speeches. I, I, I just can't believe that one of the most powerful and now clearly lawless politicians in the history of the United States – hello there. Hi. I can't clearly believe – that her plan simply went as far as win over the superdelegates and then let the rest ha- be happenstance. That's no way. No way that's where Hillary's plan stops. Hillary has this entire thing mapped out, and this is all going according to plan. See, she, just as she has from the very beginning, even if Trump were to get the popular vote, even if somehow the, the people actually elected Trump, I think she's still going to win it. Just like she won this case, just like she won those superdelegates, just like she convinced Senator Warren and Sanders to back her, just like she has Obama backing her, even though they used to be enemies. She is unstoppable, and damn near even James Comey can't stop her. They can't, the law can't even touch her. So There's no way she's not winning the election after so, this. So if, if, if James—see, James Comey is also thinking about himself, right? Because you're saying he's playing politician. Yeah, I think he so, knows that he couldn't win the fight cleanly, but he's giving the others tools to fight. Right. To, to, tell, to at least take a piece. Right. Also, he's going to have some great, great blackmail for when she becomes president. See, what I wonder is with Hillary, if uh, if she this is the, the defining episode where she won the election, right? All There's a lot of people out there that – and that's why there's so much support behind Trump – that don't want the establishment. They they are they are not necessarily, you know, pro Trump. They're just anti Clinton or they're anti establishment. And that's the the unforeseen vote here. That's the unforeseen circumstance. I, I think what she's going to do is she's going to she, she's going to she's going to what? There's going to be a voter fraud situation. She's going to pull a bush with the electoral col- with the electoral college. She's going to win via the electoral college somehow. All right. Let me throw a little bit of a wrench into this. What if? 
they, you know, Trump gets the popular vote, but Clinton doesn't get enough electoral votes. Let's say it doesn't get 270. Then I don't know. I mean, I think which see, is which is a possibility. If my if my thesis is correct, that's some, she will win it in such a way where it passes a brief sniff test, just like how when the AP announced that she was mathematically now the uh, nominee for the Democrats. Yeah, they threw in the superdelegates and they started. Yeah, yeah to it'll be just like it'll fuzzy. be it'll be one of those little fuzzy things. It's there's no way it comes down to that, and the reason is this is a plan that has been in motion for a long time. For at least eight years, if not more, if perhaps not since Bill's president. Think about it. This I mean, has likely been a plan since Bill was a president himself. The Clinton Foundation, the taking of the money, all of this has been in motion since that man, before that man left office. That's how deep this plan goes. There's no way she, there's no way it got to this point and then they didn't write the rest of the details in. That just doesn't, that's not how you do it. Man. It just, for the first time in my life, you know, and, you know, we covered the last election and, you know, and um, first time in my life, I, I feel bad. I, I feel bad in like kind of an ill way where, you know, you look at both of the leading candidates uh, in both of the major parties, you know, of the Democratic Party and Republican Party. And, you know, and I, and I, I did some reading about Gary Johnson, you know, the libertarian candidate. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the chairs are stacked against him, too. Uh, you know, for example, you know, he, he's uh, been pushing out this message where, you know, he'll get a fair shot if he's included in the debates, right? And the only way he, that he gets in the debates is if he gets 15% polling in five national polls. The problem is in some of these national polls, he's not even listed as an option. Yeah. And also, that rule isn't a hard set rule. No. Those no. rules change. Right? Well, yeah. And these rules, by the way, were uh, put up by the Republican and Democratic Party to protect their parties. You know, the, it was one of those. Exactly. Yeah. I think I, it just feels weird. And it, I think to they, me. I think there's definitely a group of people out there that are hoping that the convention that somebody else comes out. Something happens. That Paul Ryan or Ted Cruz has something up their sleeve and they're going to come out and white knight. At, so the convention, the Republican convention is July 18th to the 21st. Now we are live next week on Tuesday. Yeah. And that will be smack dab in the middle. Monday is the 18th. Tuesday is the 19th. Uh, and it wraps up on the 21st. So by Tuesday, we'll have early information. I don't know if we'll have enough, but we'll cover whatever we can in next week's episode. And I think people are hoping... There is a group of people out there that are hoping some white knight candidate will come along. Well, honestly, I think for the Republicans, it's their only shot. I mean, right now, Trump I is— I don't know. I, no, I, I think so. To, I mean, I, I mean Trump I is such a pol- polarizing— I, I mean, I think though, in yes, terms I, of— she, even though no matter if he wins or not, he's never going to get the nominee, I think he—I think, I think, I think people, because he is so polar opposite of what Hillary represents, I don't know, he might have a good shot. Right. Well, I think he does have a good shot, but, 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 but the problem is— if he gets in, does it just inherently destroy the Republican Party? Because no, I'm because fact, I'm worried actually. Or does it fragment off? And I think it's more like turn into something else. I think it's more like if Bush gets in. I think so. You know, I've been it's so I've been watching a lot of Bush footage the last couple of days. Wait, I know it's it's you weird. Mean just George Bush, W, w. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, young but W W as president, um, and then W just we in the overtime you'll see right. the W at a at an event, right? And um, he really feels like kind of a blank slate that's, that's sort of being told what to say and what's right for America, and then he goes in and he he take he adds like the, an actor a finesse to it, and you know a, 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 he gives people he's the an hope actor that they reading need. lines is what you're saying. Uh, 
to a degree. And uh, I think that's what Trump is now. I think Trump has become that. So a couple of weeks ago, Trump's campaign ran out of money. The RNC comes in. Corey Lebowski or whatever his name is out. They bring establishments in. Rove and his guys come in there. They bring in money. And now Trump, he's changed. He's, he's, he's still Trumpian. But the formula is different. The energy is lower. He's reading from a script. He's coming out against the rich. And it just doesn't quite land right anymore. If there's one image we all have of Donald Trump's campaign, it's the media blitz, the television blitz, appearing on two, three, four Sunday shows on the same day, calling into the morning shows, popping up on all the cable news networks, morning, noon, and night. Well, that has changed, and it's changed rather dramatically. See, I've noticed this, too. Uh, from clipping, we haven't had. I haven't had any CNN clips or CBS clips or NBC clips or any, any or, clips with but, Trump on. Or a, but there, there could be a twist in that. That could be because they don't want to give him any more free, uh, free publicity. No, because Trump no, has wanted so. to change, no. but also because there is a strong faction, an increasingly influential faction within his campaign. My sources say that want to limit his television exposure. That are worried. That is worried that uh, it is too risky for him to be constantly giving interviews. That he may make mistakes. That he may wander off message. That he may uh, prolong distractions. They're controlling him. And the way they're doing it, too, is in some cases, they're not even letting him know that the media is requesting interviews. Rather than keeping the focus on Hillary Clinton or uh, bringing jobs back or bad trade deals or whatever it is the campaign wants to emphasize at that moment. And so we did some research and found that if you look at the last several weeks, uh, Trump has done numerous appearances on Fox News and Fox Business. He's appeared pretty regularly with Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, Fox and Friends. But Trump hasn't appeared at all in recent weeks on CNN. He hasn't appeared at all in recent weeks on MSNBC, including Morning Joe, where he used to be a regular, but where he's now quite angry with Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. And he hasn't been on any of the Sunday shows for weeks, sometimes for a couple of months, uh, staying away from that venue. And when you add that all up, other than a couple of stray interviews where network reporters might grab him for a few questions on the trail, that is a drastically reduced television presence. And sometimes my sources are saying uh, that the um, the staff is not even telling him about the television invitation. They're just turning so- down a bunch of them on his behalf. Trump used to vet every single television invite that came his campaign's way. And this speaks to a larger question about um, uh, who is exactly running the campaign day to day, because we had this extraordinary spectacle when he gave a speech the other day in which he was like the Trump of old. He was riffing on, uh, on all kinds of targets, and particularly he went after CNN, the Clinton News Network. He went after uh, MSNBC. Hey, man, I've been calling him the Clinton News Network for like I've a year. I've been calling him, too. That's mine. He went yeah. after uh, Chuck Todd, the host of Meet the Press, Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd, he calls him. Uh, but when it's he true. did that, he also talked about CNN's coverage of that so-called Star of David tweet, which was criticized as being an anti-Semitic message aimed at Hillary Clinton. Trump strongly denies that. Trump wanted that tweet to stay up. And his staff took it down, deleted it without telling him. Mm. So it's these kinds of behind-the-scenes battles that are shaping the Trump campaign and making Trump himself question who exactly is in charge of this campaign on a day-to-day basis. Of course. And you think it's going to be any different when lives are on the line, when this is a national security matter, when this is a, this is a state issue, when it's a secret, when it's a CIA request? You think, do you think they're going to be easier on him? <laughs> That's why a Trump presidency scares me. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I think uh, the independent self financed uh, uh, shoot from the hip Trump campaign 
I think that's what made him work. And I think the establishment is not going to let that version of him exist. And that, when that he is just not geared to go up against Hillary in this capacity. Oh, no. And she has. See, when you go see what they want to do is they want to fight a traditional way. But the problem is they're bringing a knife to a gunfight because she literally has a machine. Oh, it, it's so well oiled. Yes, sir. It's so well defined yes, that, sir. man. Yes, sir. It's not going to be a good fight. No. So I think Hillary, I don't know. We'll see. But my red book is for 195. Oh, well, I don't even need to. I've already predicted it before, but I think just I reaffirmed. <laughs> well, yeah, you predicted it way back yeah. when. All right. Let's end it all on a high note, Mr. Fair Chase. Enough. And it uh, could be big news for California. You know, they had a chance to be the first to make pot and they recreational, said no. and they blew it, and so it's back up again for vote. Also, I think it's worth noting how CBS covers this. The campaign to legalize recreational marijuana is officially underway in California. A similar ballot initiative failed in 2010, but a recent poll shows nearly 60% of voters support this measure. Maria Villarreal is at a dispensary in Sherman Oaks to show us how cannabis sellers are preparing to cash in. Maria, good morning. Well, good morning. The owners here at the Higher Path say legalization could boost their business and also generate some much-needed tax dollars for the state of California. If this passes, other states could possibly follow, and it would force the federal government to confront this issue. For both sides of this story, the stakes are high. Ah! The Golden State has been a leader in cannabis culture and policy. California was the first state to legalize medical marijuana 20 years ago. Now it could become the fifth and largest state to approve recreational use. You know, it's so interesting because vaping and uh, edibles are such becoming such a more popular way to consume cannabis. The news still always shows nasty, gross joints. Because that, that looks good because all the big smoke. smoke. These vapes can create a ton of vapor, but yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, but they're clean, they're metal, and they, you know, they don't look dirty and hippie. Well, to be fair, there's been a big fight against vaping lately, too, and I'm just talking about for all the people who smoke nicotine, too, there's been a big fight, so maybe they're trying to stray away from it. Well, I just think it's, I just think they can't help themselves, because otherwise, the piece isn't that bad. This issue is about getting drug dealers off the streets that are predators targeting our kids. Unlike 2010, when a similar measure failed, this initiative has drawn big-name backers, including Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom and former Facebook President... Gavin Newsom, formerly of San Francisco, he was the mayor. John Parker. Proponents say with a 15% retail tax on the drug, the California cannabis market could reportedly generate $7 billion a year. Isn't some ours like 20-something? 25 or something? Uh, Well, we just crossed a billion, I thought. No, I mean per tax percentage. Oh, ours is. I thought it was higher. Yeah, it's, it's super high, fifteen well, percent. And you know, and, and by the way, I mean, yeah, we're the first. Technically, Colorado was a close second. Oregon's got a better law. I think uh, Alaska's got a better this law. This might be better, too. Yeah, this is, yeah. But groups working to defeat the initiative say legalizing marijuana comes with a cost. In Colorado, we've seen an increase in uh, poisonings, an increase in emergency room accidents, an increase in fatal car crashes. Now, remember, we debunked that study. That's a AAA oh, study yeah. uh, that uh, they all, it's all uses percentages. Yeah, increase uh, of percentages. Give us the real numbers. And in any fatal accident where cannabis was involved, the driver was also driving. Drunk. There was no fatal accidents where just cannabis was involved, right. but they, they skew those numbers. Barbara Boxer does it too, and Barbara Boxer from California. I think over time, as we count those costs, 
uh, they become tremendous and they overwhelm any tax revenue you'd get from legalizing. That the is drug. not true. Actually, if at all. the measure passes in California, the number of Americans living in states where pot is legal will more than triple. That really helps put pressure on Congress to deal with some of the major issues that have come out of the state and federal conflict on cannabis laws. The California cannabis industry is also watching. Yeah, we're really excited. Keith McCarthy runs Ease, an app that lets users order medical marijuana online and have it delivered to their home within a half hour. He sees plenty of growth. But she's a half hour. That's almost faster than you can get a pizza. That's that's faster than Amazon Prime now. Potential for his business. With more demand, everything gets better and easier. Ease is part of a growing trend. 115 new California businesses have joined the National Cannabis Industry Association. And at a cannabis job fair earlier this spring, thousands lined up for a chance to be a part of this budding industry. Ah. It is certainly being driven uh, by the idea that the California market has the potential to grow substantially in the next few years. When Californians defeated this initiative six years ago, it was during a midterm election. Supporters say this year's contentious presidential election could bring out more young progressive voters, which could help pass well, this initiative have. this time around, Nora. I think we're still care of that. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. No. You know, what's interesting is they talk a little bit about the revenue there. It is actually pretty substantial. It's well, something like it's something, you know. When you when you look really, at we're talking about when you look at California and I haven't looked at the stat lately, but last time I heard California had the fifth largest economy in the world. Mm. Okay, the world. I mean, California is just huge, right? And so when you look at that and you look at the the case of marijuana being legalized down there, which right now it is pulling that direction, and it looks really good for that to happen. I you just can't put the marijuana down to a schedule two if, if you're the federal government because that still doesn't help help you because that just puts it into a prescription category right well no well yeah um, it, not just that but it also or schedule but, two sorry schedule two but it is it, 11 it, thanks that is clinics. true what you said is true but also it, it enables and allows for a entirely new tier of research right. an entirely new tier of access to funding for that research that otherwise is completely illegal. And that might be a bigger now, deal as actual legitimate research here in the U.S. because there is a ton of incredible research in Israel. There's a ton of great research all over the world, actually. But whenever it comes up, we're like, well, that's, that wasn't conducted here. We can't trust that. Yeah. And, you know, I know we didn't talk about it much, but the whole thing with Bernie, you know, finally endorsing Hillary, you know, one of his big things was trying to get the Democratic platform, you know, more defined. And they did make some concessions and definitions that, you know, they wanted to see the legalization of marijuana as part of the Democratic All right, let's platform. Pause right there because I have a little Hillary Bacon about this. I think okay. I just jumped ahead in this clip. They may touch on the scheduling thing right here, I think. Let me see. I, I can't recall. Uh, hello, lady. I can't recall. Oh, here it is. Here she is. EA has been evaluated. Oh, yeah. So this is, remember, we've been talking about them rescheduling uh, pot. News hour. Here, check this Lowell, out. Massachusetts. The DEA has been evaluating proposals to loosen the classification of cannabis, which would make it easier for scientists and doctors to do research. But the agency missed its own July deadline, and it's not clear when there'll be a decision. I have it. I, I have a theory. I think... This is a Hillary move. I think it's going to be she's going to use this as part of her platform because here's here's what she's going to pull a Canada like Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau got the the young vote. Oh yeah, out 
in Canada to yeah. become prime minister. Yeah. Now, he, there was a lot of reasons why he became prime minister, but one of his things was mm-hmm. the legalization of marijuana mm-hmm. in Canada. Here's why I say this. So Hillary Clinton is being provided de- uh, geographic like base oh, demographics totally. by yeah. Google. Yeah. Google is working with, with the Clinton Foundation, or I'm sorry, with the Clinton campaign to, <laughs> um, to give her kind of information about what di- different demos and different geographical locations are searching for. And cannabis is on the top of that list, my friend. Mm-hmm. And I think she she this isn't a risky move for her to, to make no, this part of her platform. Because it's overall positive over America anyway. And the majority of Americans likely support it. And the big clencher, the reason why I really think she's going to do it, is the DEA is going to do it already anyways. The momentum is already there. So she wants to take that momentum. So she's just going to get she just gets yeah. credit for it. Right. So she just has to work political connections to say, hold off. Here's how it goes. Let's not make this decision during a political year. That this is going to become a contentious issue. We don't want this taken into the into the presidential election. Let's not make a decision just yet on rescheduling. Let's delay this until after the election. And then, as part of her platform, she gets to say, "I support rescheduling." She doesn't have to say she's not supporting legalization. She's simply supporting rescheduling because she herself has said, "I think we need further research." That enables that. And it's something that's already going to happen anyways, and it brings out the young vote for her. Right. No, I mean, I don't think that's far-fetched at all, man. That's how I think it goes down. Not, not bacon-ish at and, all. And you talk about, you talk about uh, the general culture's acceptance of uh, marijuana now. Yep. You found this clip that sort of really sort of underscores it. Oh, yeah. Snoop, me right. Yeah, so Snoop Talk's all coming right. out. Yeah, so, so <laughs> I, I'm always... I'm always uh, first off, I love game shows. Yeah. Guys sure. love game shows. Yeah, yeah. But secondly... I'm always quick to notice when any kind of thing about marijuana, cannabis, pot, makes it to the TV mainstream. This, it's important. That that's important. Like, like, so, for example, we've played clips from Jimmy Fallon and The Late Show where, you know, they're making fun of marijuana and that sort of thing and talking about it. But now this is on a Sunday night prime time on ABC. And Snoop Dogg is, I mean, just and having, Snoop really just having Snoop Dogg on your show is is a, is a sort of tepid uh, acceptance of yeah. marijuana smoke, because it's, it's, it's part of his brand. And by the way, remember, this is a game show, things are scripted out. Um, now, they know of his history. It's his brand. It's his thing. And guess what the question's going to be about? Oh. oh. They give a good hug up there. Okay, let's see what we get here. <laughs> He looks off at the. He Here we looks go. Off we got the top six producers. answers on the board. Yeah, he looks. Name looked, something yeah. Grandma might do if she caught Grandpa smoking marijuana. Yes. Snoop is fast, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 See, I mean, come on, he's milking yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's what Steve Harvey's yeah. good at. Yeah. All them fast hands you got. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I guess all that pot smoking hasn't made him slow after all these no. years. <laughs> I named some grandma might do. She called grandpa smoking marijuana. Put hands on it. Put hands on it. I knew that was going to throw the judge. More specific? Yeah, more specific. She would um, hit him. <laughs> Put hands on it. Beat his old arse. Beat his old arse is not really what he said, that's, is it? That's British. Arse. She would scream at him. Scream at him. That's like Russ Clappy. Let's play, right? Let's, play. Let's go. Let's go. There you go, Chase. There uh, you go. That's. 
<laughs> That's your high note. All, all I'm saying is, when you see that stuff happening in mainstream, you got to think about it. Yeah, it means something. It means everything. So, 195, I think. Maybe we'll go down as the episode where Hillary won the election. Let us know your thoughts. Unfilter.reddit.com or go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and send us a note right in there. Or... If you want to get read on the show, don't forget Chase's offer at the $5 level at the Patreon. And, That's of right. course, the 33 Club, you can get your note read on the show during on, our supporter segment. On special yeah. episode 196, which will be on a Tuesday. So if you and want to join us live for that, please also, do. Also, we're working towards, as we get more supporters on that page, to uh, shorten up that segment. So that way it's just news, 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 news. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, so and boom. So don't forget your support also will uh, tighten that up a little bit as we add more people there. The overtime's coming up. Lots of stuff. More stuff about Hillary. Some news we didn't get to, including Dallas. That's all coming up in the overtime. In the meantime, Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. Where should people find you online? Please follow me on the Twitter at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Oh. Please do that. And also, uh, if you're on the Facebook, which I know some of you are, Facebook.com slash TV. We're trying to be- build up that follower account because... We're going to be heading to PAX here oh, in a couple of months, and nice. we cannot wait for that. Now, Chris, you're on the social media. You were tweeting out pictures when you're in the beautiful Big Sky skate. Not state. only that, but I just retweeted the outtakes from a System76 ad we did. I saw that. Yeah. That looks so good. At Chris Elias. Go check it out. It's pretty fun. You can also follow the network at Jupiter Signal. I'm going to say it one more time. Yeah. I'll probably say it one more time after this. Right. We're going to be on Tuesday next week, and we'd Tuesday. love to have you here live. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendars where you go to get that. And hopefully we'll have some deets from the convention. Plus, oh, I think good I would be surprised if Hillary's emails and, and the FBI results are in the news much more. But well, something tells well, me Fox isn't going to let it go. Maybe they'll be there as long as they're not deleted. Aha! We'll find out because we'll tune in right back here next, next week. Five's not over yet. It's time for Overtime, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. That's how we go. That's how we roll. Oh, yeah. We have some new patrons to thank since our June 29th show. Reverse order this week. Thank you to Dixon Craig, Sean Dark, Maxine, or Maxine, Payne, Benjamin White, and Jacob Shaw. Jacob Shaw and Maxine Perot? Perot? How do you say that? I'm sorry, but I gave it my best. Thank you for supporting the show. I hope we did our best this week for you. I hope you enjoyed the show. This overtime segment is just for you and our future supporters. Speaking of Obama, 
Let's start with uh, this little story that I don't. I slipped through a lot of the cracks. I caught it off of our local CBS affiliate, I believe. <laughs> uh, no, actually, uh, I didn't catch it. Somebody else caught it off the local CBS affiliate, but it did come from a Seattle station. I don't know if you heard the good news. More boots on the ground. The United States is sending more troops to Iraq to join the fight against ISIS. Cairo 7's Jacqueline Fells in our D.C. Bureau with the details that came during the Defense Secretary's unannounced trip to Baghdad. The U.S. is stepping up efforts to help Iraqi security forces take back the city of Mosul, which ISIS militants have occupied since June 2014. Defense Secretary Ash Carter arrived in Baghdad Monday to talk military strategy. He says the U.S. is sending 560 additional troops to Iraq. They will help establish a newly retaken airbase as a staging hub for the long-awaited battle to recapture Mosul. The increase brings the total U.S. troops in Iraq to just about 4,700. Senior military officials say recapturing Mosul will be critical in efforts to defeat ISIS. Mission accomplished, everybody! Mission accomplished. Some more troops going back to Iraq. Back to Iraq! (laughs) Oh, chat room. So we have to cover the Dallas stuff. I don't have a lot of clips because, um, well, actually, that's not true. I have, uh, how many clips do I have? I have 11 clips, so I guess it's not fair to say I don't have a lot of clips. Uh, But I'm going to leave a lot of them to your own reviewing in the supporter sync. But uh, let's start with this NBC Nightly News report. Good evening. For a second day in a row, we have been confronted by the graphic images shared across social media of a man dying after being shot by police under questionable circumstances. The latest was streamed live over Facebook. It showed a bloody scene inside a car. And it was calmly narrated by the fiancé of the driver just after he was shot by a police officer during a traffic stop near St. Paul, Minnesota. The video has provoked public outrage and protests. But official answers as to what led up to the shooting have been slow to come. Tonight, however, we have pieced together some of the critical details. NBC's Blake McCoy has the latest. Moments after Philando Castile is shot multiple times by police. He's covered. He killed my boyfriend. His fiance, Diamond Reynolds, hits record, broadcasting live to Facebook. Please, officer, don't tell me that you just did this to him. You shot four bullets into him, sir. He was just getting his license and registration, sir. We don't know what happened in the moments before the recording, but Reynolds says they were pulled over around 9 o'clock Wednesday night for a broken taillight. Her four-year-old in the back seat. As he's reaching for his back pocket wallet, he lets the officer know, officer, I have a firearm on me. I begin to yell, but he's licensed to carry. After that, he began to take off shots. But, 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 don't move, don't move. She then says 15 minutes go by with no medical attention. Castile is declared dead at 9.37 p.m. I wanted everybody in the world to see what the police do. Falcon Heights, Minnesota is a small, safe, predominantly white suburb of the Twin Cities. While little is known about the officer who fired, protesters have taken to the governor's mansion demanding action. It really bothers me that we have to talk about how he was a good man and how he didn't have a criminal record. I don't give a damn. He didn't deserve to die. 
the governor went a step further. Would this have happened if those uh, passengers, the driver and the passengers were white? I don't think it would have. Oh. Castile, who man- so let's stop there and let's continue on because I want to make sure we get some more coverage of this. Uh, the one thing that I think uh, in the wake of the Dallas shooting that struck me as somebody who watched a lot of news coverage of it, especially coming back and reviewing the clips after the road trip, this one stood out. This media light highlighted this. This is Brywy and his overreaction. Yeah, this that is local news coverage in Dallas Fort Worth. Right it's what our viewers are watching there. Um, where obviously the biggest local story to happen in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, um, uh, perhaps since the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, And remember, everything is now a crime scene. Everything is evidence. So a police cruiser that pulled in there at a high rate of speed to bring an officer to the ER, if that cruiser has a round in it, a bullet in it, a bullet hole, if it has uh, blood evidence, anything, they've got to assemble it using height to their advantage in shooting down, triangulating, to quote the police chief, to try to create an urban kill zone. This was, make no mistake, uh, an act of urban warfare uh, oh. a kind of domestic terrorism now mind you this is as the story is breaking we don't know what's going on tonight in dallas texas at the bottom of your screen on the red graphic is the the new update 11 the officers terrible shot. news 11 officers shot five dead. five have now died so there is his handling of that story uh i mean i guess he's on msnbc news it's not like you have a super high expectation but uh it really is sort of shameful. And then the conversation quickly moved to robot police. The Dallas Police Department employed a deadly weapon in a new way last week. Officers finally killed Micah Johnson with explosives strapped to a police robot. The move is raising questions about law enforcement's use of similar devices in the future. Some analysts say that robots, as they become cheaper to manufacture, more of them will end up in police arsenals. Joining me now, Patrick Tucker. Let's stop right there because uh, we don't really need to hear his his analysis because I loved this story as well. Dallas's police chief doubling down on his to send in a robot bomb to kill the man deliberately firing at his officers. Why the chief says he absolutely made the right call by using it. He was asking us how many did he get. And he was telling us how many more he wanted to kill. This, this, this wasn't an ethical dilemma for me. I'd do it again, Keith. I'd do it again to save our officers' lives. I'd do it again. I'd do it again. Now, it, there is some suggestion that perhaps he was already dead at the time. Uh, but the uh, real asshat of the entire news coverage uh, had to go – had to be awarded, I think, to Giuliani. Did you catch Giuliani? Uh, what's great about Giuliani is sometimes he's – he just doubles down uh, – to, to, to steal a phrase from the last clip – on, on, on stupid. And it's so great to watch him do it. And you just sit there with your mouth open. Also, pay special attention to Clayton and his body language. He's the uh, Burnett uh, anchor asking questions. Pay, just see, I want you to, you can sense the awkwardness in the room because Giuliani's one of the Republican elite. And so they, he's, he's, He's treated with a, a very high regard at Fox News. And so they have to ask the questions they're about to ask him. You can tell they're a little uncomfortable. 
Welcome back on this Saturday morning on Fox and Friends. Former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, joins us now. Nice to see Thank you this you. morning, Mr. Thank mayor. You. You're coming under fire. Uh, for some comments that you made uh, the other day, of course, in the wake uh, of these shootings, and this is something that you're you're, you're used to dealing with. But uh -huh. here's the quote that you put out the other day on MSNBC, and we'll, we'll read it and then get you to respond to this. So let's teach everyone, including the children of the black community, that most of those police officers are the reason you're alive, because the <laughs> real danger to you is that black kid who's going to shoot you on the street, because that happens many, many oh, man. more times than police officers. Now... <clears throat> Uh, um, as a public speaker, could you? I mean, could could you imagine? What, how could that be going through his head? Like, uh, this is not the even if you even if you feel like this is a fact based opinion backed up by uh, statistical data and years in law enforcement, it is just simply not the thing you say after something like this happens. Of course, your response this morning is that, or the, the response is that you are a racist. Now, well, if uh, stating the truth is being a racist then we're in a very sad situation in this country. What, what, I what I love about that is that's what a racist says, right? That's, I mean, legitimately someone who's a racist and doesn't realize they're being racist, that's what, that's what they say. That's how racists say things. That's what's so great about that. If you were a racist, and look at Tucker, and, and look at Carl, look at, so you have Tucker Carlton right there, you have Clayton Morris there with his hand extended. It is so awkward. It is palatably awkward. Because that happens many, many more times than police officers. Of course, your response this morning is that, or the, the response is that you're a racist now. Well, if uh, stating the truth is being a racist, then we're in a very sad situation in this country. So the problem is not, I mean, I don't, I don't believe I have to, I can't even believe I have to say this, but the problem is not black people. The problem is poverty. The problem is the culture. The problem is systemic. It is not black people. It is not African Americans. It's no more than it was the Irish when the when they were the the, the concept. The Giuliani. The level that he's working on is well. Black people are violent. Is what is what comes across. Black people are violent. Is essentially what he's saying here. And statistics back me up. That 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 implies that they are genetically structured differently somehow. That they have a different. They have a different brain than the, than the white man, which is racist. That is racist. It's unbelievable, really. Because that happens many, many more times than police officers. Of course, your response this morning is that, or the, the response is that you're a racist now. Well, if uh, stating the truth is being a racist, then we're in a very sad situation in this country. What, what I just said, what you just quoted, has statistically been the case for all my years in law enforcement. Now, now, why is that? Now, I also like how he basically says how he's not managed to improve the situation much. Now, he's going to rattle off some stats. And instead of these stats really backing them up, you got to love it because it's so self they're so self-serving. When I was mayor of New York, I took over 1,924 murders the year before I was mayor. I brought it down to about 500. Mike Bloomberg brought it down to about 300. I calculate that I saved about seven or 8,000 black lives. And I'm white. Bloomberg and I together, maybe 12,000. He's white. There are no two mayors that ever saved more white. black lives We're in white. any city, any place in the country. Black Lives Matter hasn't saved anywhere near as many black lives, if they've saved any at all, than I have. And where are they? <laughs> How delicious is that? How delicious is that? One more time, just because it's so much fun. I brought it down to about 500. Mike Bloomberg brought it down to about 300. 
Oh, I calculate that oh. I saved about seven or eight thousand black uh-huh. lives. Bloomberg and I together, maybe twelve thousand. Right. There are no two mayors that ever saved more black lives in any city, no. any place no. in the country. Black Lives Matter hasn't saved anywhere near as many black lives, if they've saved any at all, than I have. And where are they? <laughs> Man, that's rich. It's it's because black people are the problem, and Giuliani's on the best job. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> what do you do with that? Where can you go after that? Then Hillary. So I got us some extra Hillary material that uh, supports some of the coverage we did earlier in the show. And uh, I want to start with uh, Lynch. Just this is classic politician. Republican House members are accusing President Obama's attorney general of making a bad situation worse in the Hillary Clinton email scandal. Loretta Lynch was grilled today by a House committee for accepting a recommendation against charges from the head of the FBI. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Herridge shows us what happened from Capitol Hill. Your refusal to answer questions regarding one of the most important investigations of someone who seeks to serve in the highest office in this land is an abdication of your responsibility. Attorney General Loretta Lynch was publicly rebuked by Republicans during the four-hour hearing. The lawmakers were clearly irked by her non-responsive answers to direct questions about her decision to accept the FBI's recommendation against criminal charges for Hillary Clinton's mishandling of classified information. Again, I prefer you to Director Comey's discussion for that. The nation's top law enforcement officer also refused to discuss the laws involved. The information Amazing. the team provides to me on this or any other case has to be given in a zone of confidentiality. Lynch declined to say whether she reviewed Clinton's FBI interview before closing the case. I had determined that I would accept the recommendation of the team. I asked my staff to count the number of times. She wouldn't even, so she wouldn't even say the laws that were used, and she wouldn't even say if she reviewed the case before she accepted the decision now contrast that with comey's where he 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 volunteered to do his his questioning and he answered everything today you would say i can't answer that question or refuse to give a uh, a, a uh, an appropriate response it's happened 74 times so far she argued her tarmac meeting with bill clinton was not cause for a special prosecutor no, no. there was nothing about any investigations or any specific cases or, or any of the other matters have you had any conversation with either individual about your possibly serving in a Hillary Clinton administration? No, I've had no conversations. You can't say I'm the attorney general and I decide, but yet I'm going to take their recommendations even before they make their recommendations. I wanted to make it clear that any conversation that I might have had with the former president would have no impact on the team. I think your actions made it worse. I really do. I think a lot of people already think that there are two systems, as many have talked about, one for we the people, a different one, uh-huh. entirely different one for the politically connected. Oh. While Republicans grew frustrated, Democrats focused on gun violence. It's a reckless legislative joyride designed to crash and burn. Apparently, Secretary Hillary Clinton's email takes precedence over gun violence. The director of national intelligence, James Clapper, the nation's top intelligence officer, has sent a letter to the House Speaker confirming that the nominee for each party automatically qualifies for classified briefings and that past bad acts, such as the mishandling of classified information, are not disqualifiers. Well, that's amazing, actually, if you think about it. Now, I want to uh, continue to go on this thread just a little bit longer. Here we go. About 45 minutes away, Loretta Lynch goes before Congress. 
at that time. Her first appearance on the Hill since she closed the investigation into the private server on behalf. So of this is obviously uh, before the clips we just heard. But and I think this clip gets into it. Going into it, they knew that she was going to be completely uncooperative. Hillary Clinton, the chair of that committee is Bob Goodlatte. Sir, welcome back to America's Newsroom. Good morning to you. Thank you. Good morning. I, I, I want our viewers to see the calendar. End of June. This is the way we believe it happened. June 27th, a Monday. There's a meeting in Phoenix on the tarmac between Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch. He says, she says they talked about golf and grandkids. June 30th. Four days later, she admits to the meeting, says she regrets it, and recuses herself from the case, essentially saying, I'll, I'll take what the prosecutors and the FBI tell me to do. July 2nd, three days later, she's interviewed by the FBI. July 5th, Comey comes out on a Tuesday and says, no charges. Nice breakdown, isn't that? And that's uh, exactly how I tracked it. In that scenario, what's your question? Well, first of all, it goes back before that because... It well, that's going to take too long for him to get there. But they, it's in the clip, but the clip is five minutes long, and that's not, that's not worth it for him to basically say, we don't really expect her to uh, cooperate. Uh, there is a lot, a lot uh, of uh, Loretta Lynch uh, continue on, and there's also uh, Paul Ryan, who's he's on a in mission. In the last few days, under your leadership, the House of Representatives has asked the Director of National Intelligence to not give classified briefings to Hillary Clinton, uh, as all presidential nominees get. Which uh, this is going to go nowhere. Uh, he said no to that. Uh, the House of yeah, Representatives. You got his letter today. You got his letter today. Uh, House Republicans are trying to make that happen legislatively. House Republicans are suggesting there should be an investigation as to whether or not she lied to Congress. House Republicans are suggesting there should be an investigation, a corruption investigation, into the Clinton Foundation. Now, I'm sure House Republicans are all excited about those measures, but to the people in the audience and at home who think, wow, that's a lot, this seems more like trying to undermine the Democratic presidential candidate. Is that what people think? Um, because I've seen polls that people think actually that she probably did wrongdoing. Uh, I think that's the Clinton campaign line that uh, the Clinton News Network is is sort of chirping along right there because I don't, I don't hear a lot of people think, well, they're really wasting too much time investigating things Hillary because she, she obviously did wrongdoing. Candidate, and less like a hunt for truth. What do you say? How do you convince them that this is on the up and up? First of all, the reason we know about any of this, I would argue, is because of congressional oversight. Second of all, we want to make sure that everyone is treated equally. Uh, I believe that she has gotten preferential treatment uh, throughout many, much of her career in that she believes she's above the law. She holds herself above the law, and I think everybody should be held accountable. Here's my point. Uh, James Comey, when he laid out the laundry list of things that she had done wrong, um, basically shredding the case that she had been making for herself all year long, then said, after not saying that he was going to press charges or file an indictment, that usually what's in order here where somebody mishandles classified evidence so much, information so much, that there's administrative uh, justice. There's an administrative action that occurs after a person like that. That means that person who has proven to mishandle such sensitive information should be denied future access to that information. Now, if she gets elected president, it's a different story. But I'm, I'm familiar with what she's about to get. I got this as Mitt Romney's running mate. This is actually, he's in a unique position, isn't he, to actually pitch this. It's not going to go anywhere, but it raises a stink. And uh, he's sort of the best person to raise the stink because he seems very level-headed about this. He can say, Comey basically said administrative uh, uh, sanctions or actions or whatever he said, disciplines or whatever, uh, are appropriate. Plus, you combine that with the fact that he has been a, a VP before, so he knows what the data is. He knows how sensitive it is. It's kind of perfect. But I'm, I'm familiar with what she's about to get. I got this as Mitt Romney's running mate. When you come out of the convention, 
you get the most deeply classified secrets of our of our government. You get read into all of our very classified programs. It's a very severe responsibility, a very serious responsibility. And I would say that any other person that did something like this, a State Department employee, somebody in the military, they would be held to the same standard, which is they would be denied that kind of information. So I think it goes with saying that we should treat people fairly. No one should be above the rules and no one should be above the law. And that is what we're looking for is equality so that we're holding people to the same set of standards. Oh, oh. I don't know. That sounds kind of complicated. So you heard that uh, Trump's campaign manager got out of there uh, after the Republican establishment came in, and now he's working for CNN. Yeah, I'm not joking. I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys about this, but Corey Lewandowski, or however you say his last name, Corey, is a CNN political contributor, and uh, this covers his first week. Let's see how he did. This is by the Washington Post. This music is no good. This music is no good. This is going to get us pulled down. Well, we'll have to, I'll have to leave it, I'll have to leave it to your review in the sink. Unfortunately, one of the things I've learned is, uh, especially the newspapers, they like to do those with music because then they can do a little content high D. All right. I got another story that I found to be particularly interesting. You guys know me. I don't own, I don't own a weapon. Well, I own weapons, but I don't own a gun. And I don't really particularly have one strong opinion. I know Noah is very pro gun rights. I have family members that are hunters, and it's a core part of who they are. And so it's very important to them. So for those folks, I think they will find this clip extremely interesting. Because I want you to watch and listen for where the conversation starts at. The conversation around guns and security begins with the assumption that because this location is an open carry location... It is of a higher risk. I don't know if that's actually been proven, but because they start with that premise, the rest of the clip is kind of fascinating to watch. Law enforcement is making final security preparations for next week's Republican convention in Cleveland. Ohio is an open carry state. And after last week's shooting in Dallas, some people reportedly may have plans to be armed during events and protests. Jeff Pegues is near Quicken Loans Arena. That is the site of the convention with details of the security planning. Jeff, good morning. Kind of amazing, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) The Quicken Loans Arena. It's so appropriate for the Republican. Good morning. For one thing, there will be, of course, a large, hefty law enforcement presence in these barricades across the street from the Quicken Loans Arena. These barricades (laughs) will soon be part of the security infrastructure here for crowd control Mm -hmm. once the convention begins. We're not going to restrict anybody's constitutional rights. Cleveland Police Chief Calvin Williams says his officers are prepared to deal with the possibility that many of the people on the streets during the GOP convention could be armed. People in this state have a right to open carry. Uh, There is a Second Amendment to the Constitution. We understand that. And our officers are prepared. They're used to seeing that in downtown Cleveland for different events. The targeting of police in Dallas during a peaceful protest last week has put extra focus on open carry concerns and the confusion it might create if chaos erupts. It was an issue Dallas Police Chief David Brown addressed on Monday. It's increasingly in, uh, challenging uh, when people have AR-15 slung over and shootings occur in a crowd and they begin running. We don't know who the good guy is versus who the bad guy is if everybody starts shooting. 
Trump rallies have already been the scene of violent clashes between supporters and opponents. See, my sense where these violent clashes occur is that there is somebody behind some of these events and some of the more extreme people in these events that are there to cause trouble. Um, some would say it's like George Soros. Some would say it's someone else. There's, there, there is – it's worth your time to look into where do the signs come from? Why, why do they get them so quick? How do you get 10,000 people to do something so fast? How do, you make it, how do you make the message spread virally on social media? How do you actually – how are they accomplishing that so amazingly well? How is all of that happening? Is it all just circumstance and it just happens to be getting better and better and more refined every single time and it's just because everybody has Facebook or is there something more to it? In June, a man in Las Vegas was arrested and accused Thank of attempting to you, kill officers. the Republican presumptive nominee after allegedly trying to grab an officer's Thank gun. <laughs> in March, Secret Service agents intercepted another man who tried to reach the candidate at a rally in Dayton, Ohio. There's no specific credible threat uh, in relation to the RNC. Secret Service Director Joseph Clancy insists his agency is prepared for the convention. We've been planning for close to a year, but we're not, the plan's never finished. You, you have to constantly be ready to adapt, be flexible uh, to whatever may occur. They are expecting about 50,000 people to attend the convention. It is harder to put a number on how many people will be coming here armed. Closer to the Quicken Loans Arena, there is a security zone where weapons are banned, but anywhere else you can legally carry. Gail? <laughs> All right, right, here's thank you idea. very much, Jeff. <clears throat> if Unfilter gets to uh, uh, 799 supporters by next episode, I'll go. <laughs> but it have you... I don't think I gotta worry about that one, do I? Uh, okay, I got a couple more clips for you. We got we got a good one. This should be fun to watch. If we have just a little bit of time before Chase gets in here, a little bit of a cyber story. CBS this morning. The, road to the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro has been a bumpy one, to say the least. Because we've made it that way. <laughs> the run-up to the games has been plagued by worries about Zika. We've keep freaking you out about Zika. <laughs> Doping, water pollution, street violence, and construction delays. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite last one. Because, you know, none of that stuff, none of that stuff happens in the U.S., which is super nice. You know, I remember when my family uh, built their house. Uh, it was so nice to not have to worry about water pollution and like not worry about construction delays because we're in America and in America that never happens. Violence and construction delays. And now there is another concern, cybercrime. It is on the rise. And with the summer games opening in less than a month, officials here in Brazil and elsewhere are warning travelers to beware. De now, we got this same morning last time. In fact, remember that NBC bloke who went over there, was in a totally different location, faked his, his Android device getting hacked and totally lied about the entire thing. And we debunked all of it on the show. Um, what was it last? I can't remember what it was. I, can't, I, can't, I don't even remember how long ago it was. But that, so that is that's that is not a good start when that's the previous coverage of cyber hacking around Olympics. Evan Redmond is vice president and general manager of social media security at the leading cybersecurity company, Proofpoint. Good morning to you. Oh, but, 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 Proofpoint. I think anybody would. I think everyone would agree that if you're going to cite the liber, the, the liber, the leading cyber. 
industry company, if you're there, if that is even an industry that where there's a leader, which I, I guess it is, it's going to be fire eye. Devin. Good morning. So, I mean, this is in addition to all those concerns, a lot of people aren't even thinking about cybersecurity. What are you guys seeing in the lead up to the games? So in the lead up to the games, one of the new trends that we're seeing out there is the rise in usage of social media as a mechanism to perform everything from phishing to delivering malware. Uh, and that's something that has been a trend over the last Olympics, carrying forward to this one, but a much more dramatic rise now. I was surprised to hear that Brazil is actually known as a hub for cybercrime. How is that? So I think if you look at it, it's purely around economic opportunity. Uh, if you have a, a, an area where the capacity and the ability to enforce laws around cybercrime are lower, uh, and you have the high reward, low risk ratio of committing cybercrime versus other crimes, you tend to see that on the rise. So it's, what's really kind of uncomfortable about this discussion for me is they're talking about the statistics. So you just saw it there on the screen. Um, it is uh, Brazil ranked 10th in uh, internet security threats. So they're a hub because they're ranked 10th. I wonder who else is on that list. But here's what bothers me about it is this isn't um this isn't like peer-reviewed scientific research. This isn't even a government statistic that was released by the government. It's it is simply a private company's interpretation of the data they reviewed. In this case, Semantic, the people that bring you the lovely Norton products. And so because the Norton antivirus guys say that Brazil is ranked 10th, it's, it's now okay on the CBS National Morning News to cite that as pure fact and then have a discussion around it as if, as if it's peer-reviewed data almost, which is – to me, I, the reason why it's sort of offensive is because I wouldn't do that and I'm a podcaster. Okay, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Where the capacity and the ability to enforce laws around cybercrime are lower, uh, and you have the you know just to just interrupt because here's what I here's how I do it because there there is no other real official source of this data is you just get two other sources. We do it all the time. We do it almost every single week for TechSnap. You just get, in fact, often we get three or four other sources and we'll just, we can just either do a blend of what they say or if they all sort of line up, we go with it. And you know what? Most of the time they don't line up and that's where we find the interesting discussion. So it's, so in their laziness, they actually miss out on some of the nugget that they could actually dig into and have a conversation around that would actually be legitimate. High reward, low risk ratio of committing cybercrime versus other crimes, you tend to see that on the rise. Mm. What exactly are they doing? You mentioned phishing, but how are they getting people to fall prey? Yeah, so one of the things we're seeing is the usage of fake social media accounts that are associated with the Olympics. So they're branded with the Rio Olympics. They have all of the appropriate logos on them. And then they have free offers, things like streaming media, get uncensored footage of the games or get tickets to the events that they're offering on these accounts. And they're actually fake offers designed to get your credit card info and personal information and actually steal from you. Mm. What what about attacks? What about something called uh, malware and ransomware? So we're seeing that on the rise as well. Officials definitely are worried about this. One of the examples we saw is uh, a great one where somebody is delivering a link mm-hmm. for an app that's designed to help you get better coverage during the Olympics, and yeah. it actually takes advantage of your phone once you install the app, gets all of your calendar, contact info, really drives forward on things like social engineering and other types of attacks. I have to say what also really surprised me and sort of scared me is that it's not necessarily you clicking. Just having the device with you and having information that is you know, important to you could get hacked. 
back. Yeah, absolutely. So a device can be compromised in a variety of mechanisms. Uh, the interesting thing that we're seeing from the scammers is that they're getting more clever about using the multiple mechanisms, right? So they create a relationship with you on social, and then they move from social to get you to install something or give them a piece of information that can give them access, yeah. and then they have you compromised from there. Very interesting. So, wh- I mean, what do you do to protect yourself here? So I, I think there's two areas of protection. There's the first uh, for consumers. They need to make sure, especially when using social media, you're going to see lots of people go to social media to get information and mm-hmm. coverage, uh, that they're actually going to the verified authentic sites uh, of the sponsors, of the people doing the coverage, uh, and that they're only interacting with those, that they don't buy tickets from anybody outside of the Olympic uh, right. pages uh, on that one. And then in addition, uh, if it seems too good to be true as an offer or something that you can click on from a link perspective, then don't do it. it actually avoid that. True. So avoid the mosquitoes, avoid some of the water, avoid the political instability. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and, and avoid yet. people giving you coverage on those things that uh-huh. are not actual real people uh, on social media and those types of things. Wow. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you very much. No, thank yeah, you very much. Avoid the political turmoil. Oh, geez, I just love it. Okay, so... You know, when you when you walked in, you were yeah. laughing about, oh, geez, it's another cyber attack Olympics report. Didn't we just have that last year? Yeah, we, well, Bry Y, <laughs> Moscow. I, I made the same joke. I made the same joke uh, uh, before the clip started. So I man. have another I have another one. I swear there's there's stories the media always has to play, Chase. And this is one of them. You, you'll recognize. I don't even have to say anymore. You'll recognize it immediately. Okay. Take a look at this. New details about a shocking attack caught on camera. An eagle swooping in. Look at that. And appeared to be getting ready to carry away this boy. It what? happened during a wildlife show in Australia. <laughs> it happens all the time. I mean, how many times have we heard that story, too? It's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, now that's not the clip I have for you, though. Uh, I need you to put on your... Uh, Analysis hat, your producer's hat, if you would. All right, hold on. Oh. Okay, <clears throat> there, oh, it's a little tight. There we go. Got it. Uh, so Got it. this happened, and nobody is talking about it on any news. The only way I got a good clip of this is because RT put out the raw footage. RT didn't even do a news story on this. Okay, but uh, after the Dallas shooting, President Obama and President Bush. Went to a service to that's, honor the, right, yeah. the the fallen cops. Yeah, and I want you to watch the 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 body language very closely of this clip. All right. I want you to watch Obama and how he reacts to Bush. I want you to watch Bush's wife. So uh, starting on the very far left, it's Biden and his wife, and then next to him is Laura and George W. Okay. And then George W. is standing next to Michelle, and then Michelle is standing next to Barry. Okay. So that's the, those are the people up on stage that I want you to watch closely. And this is, I think, a shocking clip. you describe is happening right now uh well everybody's pretty somber and they're looking down except for w. for w he's swaying back and forth kind of he's pink in the face yeah now now watch the so so i've watched this a few times and analyzed it yeah. laura at this point is aware of what's going on and not sure what to do 
Joe Biden's wife has just noticed, too. And if you watch right at this point, she is actually squeezing Joe's hand, signaling to him that something's going on. Also, Michelle is going to be communicating to Barry very quickly. And Barry tries to cover to make it less embarrassing for Bush. This is it's I know for those of you just listening, you don't get to see a lot, but we'll describe more here in just a moment. singing now. He's swaying his arms. He's trying to get Michelle to join him, and now they start getting awkward. She's grabbing his arm and yanking it down. You see that? See how she's yanking his arm down? Like, stop it. And then he holds her as a hand up like, I love you too, because he's totally unaware what she's doing. And he's still swaying. That's weird. And then watch Obama here, because he starts getting into it. See, he's trying to cover for him by doing it too. But she, she, you just said, did you see right there how she tapped him in the side? Watch. See that? That's weird. So then he starts covering. And then he tries to go back to somber. Did you see that? Well, yeah. That's. Look at Bush. Look how red he is in the face. What is going on here? He's drunk. You think he's drunk? So. He, after this, he gave a speech, and I went and got the speech. <clears throat> and uh, you jump around a little bit in here. I'll leave it for the, uh, the viewer at home to uh, go through and pull out what they want. But I'll go into a minute or two into it here. Let's see. Let's jump ahead just a little bit because, uh, you know, you don't need to see all of it. Mayor, Chief Brown, elected officials. Listen to his speech. Members of the law enforcement community. Today the nation grieves, but those of us who love Dallas and call it home have had five deaths in the family. Now, I want you to don't look at him. Just listen and listen to the way he speaks. Laura and I see members of law enforcement every day. We count count them as our friends. A little bit here. And we know, like for every other American, that their courage is our protection and shield. We're proud of the men we mourn and the community that has rallied to honor them and support the wounded. Our mayor and police chief and our police Mm -hmm. department have been mighty inspirations for the rest of the nation. So far, so good. It's it's not so bad, but it keeps going. These slain officers... Ah, he's starting to lose it a little bit. As the speech goes on, he starts to lose it. So uh, did you catch it there? Mm-mm. You didn't hear it there? All right, I'll play it back just a little bit. All right. Chief and our Listen police to the way he says officers. Have been mighty inspirations for the rest of the nation. <laughs> These slain officers uh, were the officers. best among us. Uh. Lauren Aaron's. Maybe he's got a false teeth. To Detective Katrina Aarons and father of two. Michael Kroll, caring, voted husband and father of two. Brent Thompson. All right, I want to play, I'll play a little bit more, then I'll stop. Greg Zamaripa, U.S. Navy Reserve Combat Veteran. Proud father and loyal Texas Rangers fan. <laughs> See how pink he is? Yeah. With their deaths, we have lost so much. We are grief-stricken, 
heartbroken and forever grateful. Every officer has accepted a officer. calling that sets them apart. Most of us imagine if the moment called for that we would risk our lives to protect a spouse or a child. Those wearing the uniform assume that risk for the safety of strangers. I kind of hear it. I hear it. And the way he was, if it wasn't for the fact that the way he was dancing up there and whatnot, then <laughs> yeah. I but, and then the pink cheeks and all of that, it just, and it was also weird because his suit didn't match, so he really stood out in the group there. Like, just one more time, just one more time. You I know, know I got to get off this. Wait, no. Oh, sorry. No. I know I really should get off this, but I find it fascinating because it makes me think that if he's off, if he's off the wagon, they're not going to let him out in public much. See how he stands out with that suit, too? And yeah, everybody's but, very somber. But, but that one official's got like a yellow tie going on. So yeah, well, I think that actually that yellow is significant. To it is okay. Uh, but it, she tries to get him to stop. Biden takes the best course. He puts his head down. <clears throat> Obama's pretty quick on his feet, trying to trying to make him not look as bad, right? See how he's, look at that. He's drunk, dude. She's trying to get him to stop. She keeps yanking his arm down, and then Biden just looks down. You see the way that he is drunk. He is drunk. You got to acknowledge he's drunk. All right. Drunk or having some sort of, um, you know, uh, seizure. Do you suppose this, <laughs> prescription? Do you suppose this is going to get us pulled off uh, YouTube? Because this is the new hot song. This is the big thing here. It's the new <laughs> Donald Trump jam. What is this? Can you hey, Howard S. <laughs> Apologies for freedom. I can't handle this. When freedom brings answer the call on your feet, stand up tall. Freedom's on our shoulders. USA. What yes. is this? Keep, what is it? Keep going. <laughs> Enemies of freedom. Face the music. Come on, boys, take them down. The crowd in the background doesn't know what to do. They literally have no idea. Look at Goatee Guy. Look at Goatee Guy with sunglasses. He's, so is this... And the, and the gal in red back there is laughing. The gal in gray has a horrified face. Look at her face is horrified. And the guy with the blue sweater is like, this is not happening right now. And then I think the guy in purple is peeving on one of these girls. <laughs> this is all horrible. This is, is this really his, is this, this really? Is, this is real. from strength or get crushed every time. Yeah! Over here. USA! USA! you watch the rest it's in the supporter sync if you want it you can have it yeah thank you to our patrons for making overtime possible patreon.com slash unfiltered don't forget next week we're gonna be on tuesday Tuesday. jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for that temporary move converted to your local time zone we hope you'll join us live see you right back here next next week week. USA. usa